You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since everybody welcome to the ggtmc in this our last show of 2019 how about that mm. <laughs> and don't get too excited over there todd just settle down i'm, I'm tapping it down <laughs> Take I'm, it. I'm pinching it yeah i'm pinching it off right now take it down there no it's just the sultan of scrapple uh, oh, no salt catch it buddy i said sultan the sultan of scrapple oh, that's different <laughs> yeah you are the sultan of the scrapple <laughs> Pig tits and dicks Another and that's you. <laughs> Pig assholes and dicks and snouts and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Or hot dogs. The yeah, uh, <laughs> we it's are a hot back. Hot dog of the breakfast world. Yeah, there we go. We are back uh, this week. We are talking a couple of uh, what we call or what we've become to call. Is uh, that? Oh man, I don't even know if that was English. I just spoke right there. Uh, Toys for Tots type picks. Uh, uh, these are just you know donations that people have made over Christmas over time, and they've s- selected films because of our uh, hectic scheduling most of the time. Even though this year I think we kind of got back on schedule pretty good uh, compared mm-hmm. to 2018. Um, we don't always get these in the can as quickly as we would like, but here we are. We figured we'd close out the uh, year with one of these and. This week we're doing the Hourglass Sanatorium, uh, 1973, the wonderful year of 73, yeah. Uh, directed by, I'm going to say, Wojciech Haas. I think we talked about this last week a little yeah, bit. that sounds about right, Wojciech Haas, uh, yeah. as far as I would assume. Well, yeah, we'll go with that. And uh, Shoot 'em Up, 2007, directed by, I'm going to go with Mikhail Davis. Yes. That's right. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> Mikhaili Davis. No, Michael Davis. So, uh, <laughs> uh, just to have some fun there, uh, but that's what we're talking. So, um, two very different movies, to say the least. Uh, we'll get into those and who selected them and whatnot here in a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything I wanted to say for the year end, but I can't think if there is. Has anybody got anything they'd like to announce or anything before we get into? Yeah. 
what we've uh, been watching? Oh, man. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I can't think of anything. No, I can't think of anything. Other either. than, I guess, to say thank you to these two for their picks and their charitable donations. Mm-hmm. Yes. As I throw my ice cream notebook on the ground. There we go. Hey. All uh, right. It's early. Way to end the yeah, year. Uh, kick off the new year well. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, symbolic. Now we, uh, <laughs> we look forward to 2020. It's going to be fun, as always. All three Isn't that the year we made contact? That's the year the Bronx Warrior. <laughs> It'll be the year we might hit episode 500. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Might. I'm using the might. Yeah. yeah, don't get too optimistic yet. We'll, we'll see what I'm happens. I'm just saying. <laughs> just throwing it out there. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, the schedule remains because we've been doing pretty good lately. And yeah. It's been nice. It's been something I look <laughs> forward to every week. Um, I agree been a big year for me personally i mean i changed jobs which probably has a lot to do with uh, getting this show out every week <laughs> uh, that might help uh you know uh, we've had some losses we've had some gains we've uh, it's been an interesting year for all of us right so oh yeah um let's hope 2020 is a, a great year and i hope it's a great year for everybody so i know some listeners and and uh friends on facebook quote unquote things like that i know we've all gone through some things this year but hopefully your 2020 is great i just want to make sure i get that out there because i don't always wish people a happy new year it's not something i'm i'm not the most festive guy anyway probably more festive on the show than i am in real life (laughs) um but um uh yeah i do want to wish everybody a happy new year and a great 2020 in saying that let's get into the last show of 2019 what have you guys been watching totter What's been up? What's been going on? You've been watching quite a bit. Oh, yeah. I got free time. Yeah. Uh, okay. Have I done... Did I do Nightcrawler and Shazam last week? Yep. Okay. I was going to uh, say no, but I wasn't on the show, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disqualified. Uh, so, I watched uh, from 1926, Clyde Bruckman's The General, uh, with Mr. Buster Keaton. Mm. Um, yes. And... Uh, this guy, uh, he's he's old. You wouldn't you wouldn't like him. Um, black and white movies is bullshit. You got to read stuff. Um, oh man, I know, right? I'm out. <laughs> Tap out. That's it. I'm out. Hard pass. Hard pass. Hard pass. So, where where does this fall within the Marvel universe? Uh, this is the. It's like a connective tissue between Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Is there any de- uh, de aging technology? There is. Uh, De Niro <laughs> is de-aged in it for a little bit. Oh, God. Um, and so is Rod Steiger. Oh, nice. Nice. I does Rod Steiger do a Mexican accent? <laughs> he does. Uh, and he's, he's, uh, his, little buddy, his little buddy is Eli Wallach. Nice. Wow. How about that shit? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, it's Buster Keaton. I mean, it's the man is practically untouchable um the the stuff that he did it's just amazing you anybody who who hasn't seen his stuff really 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 needs to um it's essential viewing as far as i'm concerned all of his stuff uh and this is uh no different so i mean you, you really can't say more about it than that you'll be amazed at what these people pulled off uh with the uh, and all practical, you know, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, although well, there might have been a little bit of CG there, there was an explode, there was a train fell off a, a track <laughs> that I don't know, it looked a little suspect. Um, so there's that, yeah. Uh, I'm sure it was, and, sus- I'm sure it was suspect yeah. on the day, I bet it was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, you want to what? Uh-huh. 
so I did that. Uh, I'm going to wrap these next three up in a nice little uh, group here. Uh, it's Enzo, Enzo G. Castellari's um, post-apocalyptic uh, trilogy, 1990, The Bronx Warriors, Escape from the Bronx, and The New Barbarians. Uh, of the three, my favorite is and always has been and probably always will be 1990, Bronx Warriors. I love it. Good one. Love, love that one to pieces. Um, you know, it's fun seeing Mark Gregory with the, with his mom jeans and his moose knuckle. Ooh, um, and, of course, Hammer and uh, Eastman uh, really pump things up. Vic Morrow is a fantastic scumbag. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's just it's great all the way around. It's one of those ones. And it has this great, really, really nihilistic, like, depressing ending um, that uh, that really, for some reason or another, has always struck me. Uh, you know, even when I was watching this thing over and over on VHS back in the day, uh, I just love that final, uh, that final moment of the film, uh, which obviously I won't ruin for anybody, but, uh, there it is. And so there's that escape from the Bronx, um, is much lesser in my view. Uh, it's, um, I think the problem is with this one that there's, it's, it's, and I hate to use this complaint, but it really is just too much of a good thing. Uh, it's full on carnage. Um, and it's just, it's nonstop. There's no, it's, it's just like a straight line. There's no peaks, there's no valleys. Um, and, uh, and that, that just kind of really, uh, hurts the viewing of it. Uh, as far as I'm, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the pacing is not great. Uh, Henry Silva is of course, fantastic chewing up every ounce of scenery. Uh, Antonio Sabato, you know, looks kind of like a, a George Powell puppet. Um, <laughs> And uh, like that there. Yeah. Uh, what did I compare it to? A Lon Chaney senior, Lon Chaney senior uh, makeup. Yes. Uh, he kind of uh, looks like to me. <laughs> um, so there's that. And then there's New Barbarians, uh, which is uh, a bit out there as far as the other two. It's really far afield. It's obviously in the Mad Max mold. Um, it has uh, Fred the Hammer again. It's got Giovanni Frezza in it. Uh, George Eastman again being really, really um, male <laughs> friendly <laughs> rapey is the yeah. word i would use that's yeah. a word that's a word for it um <laughs> and uh yeah this one uh, well this one also has anakanakis in it so uh that's, we, co- uh, we that's covered big... that one right will we covered that one i believe so I oh a man on his knees no 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 no. what's it called that a man on his knees fuck me um <laughs> a man in the city the barbarians yeah the barbarians yeah oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yes yeah, one with eastman in the white armor right yes. yep that's one we covered with andy man yeah. yeah, there we go. There's, Where, yeah. yeah, and there's isn't there some um, like uh, clear plastic? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the end, dude. Some... This thing is so homoerotic; it's not even funny. Yeah. Uh, Once and you... not like in and like in a really suspicious kind of way. They're, they're... Not like in. A... <laughs> well, it's not like. I have it's this not theory. Like there's nothing subtle. There's yeah. nothing subtle. About I have this. this theory that whenever George Eastman gets involved. Some type he of deviance, yeah. Some type of deviance gets involved, and I don't know what it is about him. I mean, he's been forthright in saying in interviews in the past that you know he's he's not shied away from uh, deviant behavior in movies, and it seems like no, you know it, it, it seems like that you know whenever he gets involved, even if it's not his idea, for some reason, like the atmosphere of the film set. <laughs> gets a yeah. little weird. Oh yeah, <laughs> you could just see you could just see him standing over uh, Giancarlo Preet going, uh, you know. Uh, what if I stick my dick in him? Yes, you know. Just, right. uh, yes. Uh, so there was that. We make a uh, manual movie right now. 
Ay, ay, ay. That's our oh, bad. The cod pieces in this yeah. thing are off the fucking charts. Yeah. So that's our terrible Italian uh, impersonations too, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh well, you gotta have them. <laughs> uh, I followed that up. I had some time on uh, Christmas Day. I watched Little Kin Kin, 2014, from uh, yeah. Mr. Bruno. And I have issues with this thing. Uh, no. I gotta say. <laughs> Yeah. No, <laughs> it's it's uh, wow. Uh, I I had heard that it's a comedy. There's I think one scene uh, that I actually found comedic, and then the rest of it is just more like an atmosphere thing. Um, like that funeral, the funeral scene is is out of this world uh, with the absurdity of it. Um, oh, yeah. But it's uh, it's really you know it's three and a half hours, uh, so. It's kind of tough to 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 stay along with because it's not really a pleasant movie. It's almost kind of Harmony Corinne esque uh, in yep. certain aspects. Um, but the thing that yeah yeah, uh, I think the thing that really holds this together for me uh, is just the the affection uh, between the uh, Kin Kin character and his uh, little girlfriend uh, from sweet. across the way. Uh, it's just such a, a, a genuine, uh, heartfelt sort of emotion that these two have. Even though the the main character, the lead character, uh, is just an absolute shithead, um, you really just want to, you know, you want to swat him off a wall uh, here and there. But um, and you know, it's one of those movies where it's you know it's got murders in it, but at the same time, it's not really about the murders. Uh, and the uh, the main uh, detective is um certainly takes a little bit of of getting used to uh because he has this he has these facial tics uh and this this way of uh of moving and and speaking that are just really 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 uh they could be very distracting uh i'll put it that way but at the same time he's he's interesting because he just sits there and he pontificates with his uh his little lieutenant uh assistant guy uh and they uh (laughs) they obviously have no fucking idea um, at least for the most part, uh, he's, he's Clouseau-esque in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. Um, but the movie is, is not an easy, it's not an easy thing. Um, I'll put it that way. If you're, you know, it, it very much believes in subversion. I've never seen a Dumont film, uh, before. Um, so there was that, uh, I, I believe they, they did a sequel to this, uh, oh, wow. a year or two later. A little, I think it's called coin coin and the, Beasts of Humanity, or something like that. So it's along that line, but uh, but I think the uh, the only characters returning are um, Carpentier and the uh, the captain. Uh, so uh, I'd be interested in checking it out, but it's definitely not for everybody. I'll put it that way. Uh, but I still like that. It. It's still it's uh, the kind of thing that does stick with you uh, long past uh, when you uh, when you're done with it. Even though it does, the pacing for me is. N- not great, especially three and a half hours. But you know, it's, it was also a mini series. So yeah, I was going to say it was a mini series. It yes. is. It is very absurd, and I think it also. I think intellectually, it has a lot more going on for it than just shock value. You know, oh, it touching does. On, touching on a lot of the societal ills of France, you know, specifically rural France, right? Right. Some of the right. ugly, the ugly side of. Well, but it brings up that whole thing with the the little uh, Muslim kid. Yeah. Uh, which is just out of left field, yeah. Uh, and for how much time it takes up, 
And that's another thing is you know obviously the uh, Kinkin and his and his his buddies are are you know they're pretty racist little bastards, ain't they? They are. Uh, yeah. So you know you kind of have to uh, you kind of have to just go along with this thing uh, in order to see in order to try and see what's going on. I think it'll leave you with a lot of questions. It'll leave you dwelling on things uh, whether you like it or not. Um, which is a good which can be a good thing with film. It is a good thing with film. Uh, I I would not argue that at all. Uh, but for me, yeah, I mean, this thing's biggest fault is the pacing. But again, like, I mean, like I said, I watched it in one shot, uh, where took it all in at once. (laughs) I really, really did. And I'll say this about that. It's not easy to do on this one. Um, just like Giovanni Prita or whatever you said earlier. Giancarlo. Giancarlo. Yeah. Giancarlo. You took all. They got, uh, they got Eastman. Yeah. They got Eastman. Pissy <laughs> pissy. Uh, <laughs> uh, Joe choked on coffee. <laughs> pissy pissy. Well, we might have our first on air death. Nice. Uh, so there was that. Uh, but yeah, I would recommend it to people. But I would also caution that. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah. Uh, I would. I would say from based on my experience with it, you're probably best off watching it in the uh, the three parts, uh, like it was originally. Uh, show. Um, Moved on from that to uh, Alita Battle Angel 2019 uh, for Mr. Robert Rodriguez. And I expected absolutely nothing out of this thing. And I wound up actually really liking it. Um, It's obviously, you know, very much a CG cartoon uh, as these big tentpole kind of action movies tend to be. Um, But the... uh, What's her name? Uh, Rosa Salazar, I think, is the uh, the Alita character. I think so. um, she does a, a really great job um, making the the character believable, uh, and she just gives a great performance. And Christoph Waltz is great, obviously, as always. Uh, the production design and the character designs are fantastic, uh, and the action really uh, is is very very well done. It's you know easy to follow. It's not uh, just a bunch of uh, it doesn't look like just a bunch of uh, of cartoons uh, smacking together uh, in really Ooh. random, ugly Ooh. ways. Uh, although it, it kind of is that. We need to check. Um, we need to check it's your, predictable. Check, What's that? We need to check your browsing history. Yeah, no. Cartoons smacking together sounds familiar. I'm just gonna say this: <laughs> I have not yet begun to hentai. Uh, so. <laughs> So that being said, uh, it, it is very, very predictable. Um, and it has those weird sort of uh, anime, manga sort of uh, things here and there in it. But overall, I, I yeah, I really, really wound up liking this. Uh, I would be interested in, uh, in checking out a sequel to it. So mm-hmm. let's get going, Mr. Rodriguez. Uh, as long as Johnny Depp's not in it anyway. Uh, so... <laughs> There was that. Uh, I watched this uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu from this year, and this thing was fairly craptastic. Um, that's an odd. That, just, that's an odd. That's an odd one for you. You don't strike me as anybody that's interested in any. Uh, I'm not. I couldn't even tell you the first thing about that <laughs> game or anything. And I, you know, but I wanted to see it because you know I like. Uh, I wanted to. See, I I kind of got the feeling from the trailer that there would be a nice little fun sort of um bromance thing going on between oh, okay. the uh right. the Ryan Reynolds character and the and the main kid. Okay. Uh and unfortunately it just doesn't work. Um 
this thing is just uh, it's so lazy it took four screenwriters to do this thing never a good sign never ever a good sign it really isn't um but this yeah it just uh, laid there for me i I didn't find it charming i didn't find it fun i didn't find it you know (laughs) yeah right i wanted it to move its ass a little bit but it didn't i think you wanted a yeah you wanted hentai yeah Yeah. no tentacle porn is no good it's coming i can feel it it's coming (laughs) where do you see what i'm picking next time uh so yeah (sighs) rasuko doji for everyone uh so yeah this thing i would say uh you will unless you're a pokemon freak you can easily skip that fucking thing yeah Yeah, i was Um, stunned at this one man for you too like sammy said uh like oh Yeah, hey, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm okay with pushing my boundaries. Yeah, I mean, I, I can I can see <laughs> I can see me watching this because my son's slightly into Pokemon a little bit, so oh. I could see me watching this. But I yeah, I was really surprised to see you watch this. Uh, yeah, my kids watched it. My wife luckily inadvertently jumped on the grenade. She's like, "Well, I'll go watch it with them." Okay, go ahead, honey. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I was working it. It's something I, I would have gone otherwise. Yes. You know, but um, I'll say this: it. Did like did they cut a pretty good trailer for it? Yeah, they did. That's what that's what right? kind of got me there. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, okay, this looks like it could be you know dumb fun, just kind of you know yeah. go along to get along sort of stuff. Six and a half, kind of for what it yeah, is. Yeah, that's what I was. Know? That's what I was hoping for. Not there. Yeah, yeah that's Not there. Uh, yeah, that's uh, you know what are you gonna do? Yeah, uh, I, I know. I know that I will never watch it again. So <laughs> I have, the, I have that, uh, I have that going for you. Me. Say so that. you won't be. You say that, but what do you wait? Wait till you hear what I'm going to pick next week. <laughs> yeah, I guess the moral of the story here, Todd, is you don't got to collect them all. Yeah. <laughs> no, I would not. No, you don't even have to collect one. You're only, uh, you won't one. be collecting uh-uh. them all. That's definitely for sure. Yeah. I watched uh, Christine, did a rewatch of Christine, uh, and this time I did it with the uh, Carpenter and Keith Gordon uh, commentary. Nice. Uh, Nice. It's still a great movie. It still looks great. Um, Not top tier Carpenter, but it's, it's, you know. Second tier. Middle. Yeah, like high middle. Yeah, 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 I agree Um, with that. It's got some commentary. uh, The commentary between these two guys is fantastic. Oh, I got to listen. It's got some great moments Uh, at Christine. It really does. It's not like I agree with you. It's not top tier Carpenter, but there's some moments no. in there that are top tier. There's some moments in there that are top tier scenes from Carpenter. Oh, there's sure, some yeah. stunt work in this that's fucking out of this yeah. world. I still, agree. Uh, like the flaming, the flaming car stuff. Oh, I mean, that, come on, that's amazing. That's still that flaming car scene is still one of my favorites. Oh, it's yeah. fantastic! It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but yeah, no, I watched it with the commentary, um, and it was really great, very enlightening. Uh, and then finally, I watched the new Safdie Brothers film, Uncut Gems. Ooh. And was this playing at your local theater? It was funny enough. Uh, nice. Yeah, I was amazed too. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was, well, yeah, because I usually don't get anything even remotely like this uh, around here. So um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to make the effort to see it because I know it ain't going to be here next week. So went out and caught it uh, at like 930 in the morning. Um and this thing is really good, like that, really really good. That breakfast watch, 
Yeah, right. Uh, I took a plate of Scrapple in with me. I stuck it. <laughs> there you go. No doubt, you man. Keep eating, <laughs> you keep eating Scrapple, and you're going to have to go through what uh, Sandler's character goes through at the beginning of that movie. I've already read about that. I, I might have to go through what Giancarlo <laughs> Preet went through in uh, New Barbarians. Well, yeah. yeah. Something roto rooted out. Yeah. Oof. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh yeah, this thing was it's, – it's really good, man. It is intense uh, from start to finish. Uh, and it's another um, story of a, a sociopath who cannot help himself uh, no matter what, you know, no matter what he's shown, no matter what lessons he should be learning. He just can't. Um, and it's just um, uh, startling to, to sit there and watch everything fall apart on this guy. Are you telling me this is a movie about a bad person? Who can't help himself no matter what. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Aren't those movies supposed to be banned in America now? <laughs> they are. Um, but thankfully, this one snuck in yeah, uh, under yeah. the radar. Yeah, I, don't know how it got, I don't know how it got released. Yeah, yeah. Sandler. Yeah, Sandler. He's on his, America's uh, sweetheart. He's on his grown-ups. Uh, on his grown-ups um, well, I, I, I heard an interview with the Safety brothers, and I listened to it on a podcast. I can't remember what podcast it was, but uh, they had said that Part of the intention of not only working with Sandler was, but the part of the intention of working with Sandler, I should say, is not only their admiration for him because they kind of grew up with him, but on their on his records, but also because they knew the film would get released. So they're smart. They're smart that way. Oh, they're way. savvy enough. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the last time they worked with Pattinson, so yeah. they're safety enough. That's right. <laughs> to, uh, to know what they're doing the but, but they knew they were making a 70s-esque type film and they knew those kind of movies don't get made anymore yes and, well it very uh, much is that yeah, yeah and uh, to get people to see a movie like that you have to put somebody in it that people are like oh this is weird I wonder what Adam Sandler's doing it's probably yeah. funny let's go see it Joey and uh, then they go see it, it and they're like whoops <laughs> there ain't nothing funny in this fucking movie so. uh, and it's just it, you know I've I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of praise for Sandler. I I think that it's in this particular uh, movie it's very well deserved. Uh, would I say that it's you know Oscar worthy? Yeah, maybe. Um, seen a lot of praise you know, for uh, he's a guy. Yeah. He's a guy who listen. He gets a lot of shit, and I certainly give him a lot of shit. Sure, um, because I you know he has relegated himself to this very easy. Um, Sort of thing, but when he when he steps outside of his his comfort zone and he allows uh, he gives himself over to to you know good filmmakers, uh, then he turns in good work. Um, so you know he's he's a guy who is capable yeah. of uh, of producing uh, you know quality performances. He just won't. Uh, and I don't necessarily I don't necessarily well that's the thing to. that's the yeah. thing I don't really I don't really blame him for that. You know if I was making the kind of money I was you know he's making making the shit that he makes then. You know, I would probably be okay with that too. It's the Burt uh, Reynolds out of there. It's the Burt Reynolds equation. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, to yeah, him, Eddie yeah. Murphy, a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys with a lot of talent. They can make great stuff, but they just they stay in the grindhouse. Not not in the grindhouse we appreciate, but they stay in this this you know simplistic formula picture territory. Well, it's a path of least resistance. Yeah. It's, you know, it's guaranteed income for a guaranteed minimum amount yeah. of effort. Yep. That's yeah. Who wants to do? less and get paid more yeah. yeah exactly uh so this thing i i would give it a high 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 recommend if it's in a theater uh near you absolutely uh get out to it even if it's a little bit of a, a trek for you i would go recommending it um it is i got out of the theater i was fucking exhausted uh, because it just it it is so high energy. It's so intense from from uh, 
start to finish. Uh, it's two hours and 15 minutes, I think. Uh, and, you know, by the time it gets to the end, you kind of, you can see how this is going to wind up. But at the same time, you're just, you're fascinated the whole way through, just watching this, watching this, watching this. And it's just every time the, the fucking screw turns, you're like, Jesus Christ. Um, and plus, uh, Julia Davis has a, a very nice posterior. So for anybody who's, who's uh, Julia Davis is, uh, she plays his girlfriend, um, in this, I, I've never seen her before or no, I'm, I'm not Julia Davis, Julia Fox. I'm sorry. I'm wrong. Uh, I don't know anything else that she was in. Um, I couldn't tell you, you know, much about her at all, except that, you know, she's in this and she gives a good performance as well. Uh, she really, uh, pairs up nicely with, um, with Sandler's these, these two sort of really self-involved, um, just kind of pathetic, uh, narcissistic sociopaths, uh, you know, kind of who have found each other, uh, and, uh, and just, it's amazing. Uh, but yeah, no, I would high, high recommend on this one. So, and that is all that I got gentlemen. Nice. Good stuff though. It's a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 That is good stuff. Large way. I really got to see uncut gems. Okay. Let's toggle backwards. Uh, watched since I got Disney plus between you guys talking about it and, you know, the, the 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 mutterings online got louder and louder, so we decided to take the plunge. Um, we decided, I realized, Roger Rabbit, who from Roger Rabbit's on there. Uh, oh, is it? Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. Looks good, of course. So, rewatched it. Love it. Watching this film, I showed my kids this probably when they were about six and four, maybe five and three. They'd forgotten all about it. Um we watched it again, and I watched this film, and I, I want to buy the – I wish there was – and there might be. I know I've, I've seen it on blue. I rented it from my library or borrowed it from my library um, when I watched it prior to this. But I'd love to see a definitive edition of this because I think watching this now, you see what an incredible labor of love it is, um, how much care went into it, and just, just little things like seeing a, a dueling piano uh, – scene between Daffy and Donald Duck. Yeah. Um, there's just so much going on visually. It's a wonderful film. I remember seeing it in theaters. Um, yeah, it's just, it just a real labor of love, this film. Um, so, yeah, and I, for some reason I didn't realize Zemeckis directed it, which I guess kind of makes sense. But, um, yeah, so that held up great. Uh, we had our in-laws over, and Teresa wanted to watch Ready or Not, so, oh, okay. so <laughs> which, we rented this. Which has uh which is about in laws a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yep, sure is. Uh so this one, I think I'd said I don't know who I'd said it to, maybe to a, you guys in a thread or a thread, like in a message. It feels like a precocious fourteen year old that isn't as smart or charming as they think they are. Um it didn't really work for me. It's a good looking film. Um it was shot where we did our wedding photos, which is kind of funny. So I don't know. It, it just it didn't work for me. It just it, it's very self satisfied and it's not as fun as it thinks it is. Uh, next up, we did I think probably on the twenty fourth. First thing we watched on Disney Plus, we had our in laws over. Uh, we watched Togo. So oh uh, yeah, this is also on Disney Plus. This is uh, this is made for Disney Plus. Yeah, sure is. It's original Wait, content. What is it? 
Togo. It's a uh, true story. You know, is it what's it? Balto? It was Balto, the other one. Yeah. Balto. <gasps> oh, 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 okay. Yeah, Togo. Okay. So Togo's the live action um, film about, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Otho is <laughs> the live action uh, old timey kind of Disney um, made for Disney film about Togo. This, uh, I guess, Siberian Husky, maybe Sammy, am I? Um, right? Maybe. Yeah, I thought Togo might be. Is he part wolf? A wolf. Maybe part wolf. Yeah, sure. Maybe we more. can go with that. Maybe a little bit. I mean, all dogs are part wolf, but I mean, I think it's more like he's. I guess uh, maybe a little bit more wolf than a normal dog, like you wouldn't take yeah. him on, or he's a runt or something like that. But yeah, so it's of course one of those. It's the the runt the litter story, and also as in addition to all dogs being part wolf, I believe it is true that all dogs go to heaven. Yes, it is true, as yeah. uh, Bluth once said. Yeah. Um, speaking of Burt Reynolds, so yeah, that's right. Speaking of Burt Reynolds, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All comes back to Burt, man. <laughs> it does. <laughs> all roads lead to Burt. So this one. Um, I got to say, this is solid family entertainment. Yeah. It's been a tough shoot. Willem Dafoe, right? Willem Dafoe. So the lure for me was it seemed that they shot a lot of stuff practically. Um, True story about a a man who lived in Alaska and there was a diphtheria outbreak and – yeah, they were going to take turns getting this medicine back via dog sleds and this dog Togo who – this man has a great bond with uh, who's 12 years old at the time did 240 miles in very harsh conditions yeah. um so i mean it's kind of old-timey disney adventure family adventure so I, for me certainly there was a ceiling as far as what it was going to be but yeah uh it was an admirable production we liked it well enough i mean you could do worse for family entertainment it's you know yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. good stuff um I watched uh, Woman Chasing the Butterfly of Death, which you guys talked about on the show last week. And I just want to get in a few kind words for Todd, uh, if I may. And that film, uh, fantastic stuff. Good on Mondo for putting it out. Um, yeah. It's two back-to-back weeks with really bizarre films, man. Yeah. But that's what we do, yeah. right? It's, yeah. Um, and, of course, Killing of the Dolls, another fantastic choice. Yeah. Um, both of I those wish I could have talked about those films. Yeah, both good. of those are certainly no Togo and no uh, Detective Pikachu. <laughs> that's for damn sure. No Togo, no Pikachu. Pikachu yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Both films were great. I just wanted to say that. Um, I watched – so Criterion, as with most streaming services, has a rotating thing where this is going to leave on this date, so you better watch it. So for years, I'd meant to see uh, On the Town, the Gene Kelly, Frank Sinatra, MGM okay. musical. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stanley Donnan. So I watched this. I don't know. I was doing some stuff around the house uh, in the kitchen. I threw it on, and boy, did I love this. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. You know, I, I was never a musical guy. I, you know, I, not really my genre, but the MGM ones are just – they're so beautiful, and they're just – they are they have a very – quaint old time charmed for me mm-hmm. they're they're almost like chicken soup of yeah. a bygone era right of the soul even of the soul <laughs> yes precisely chicken soup of the soul that's right man uh but this is great it's really charming um what can i say it's on there till the 31st so if you're listening to this you might be shit out of luck you have to see it other ways but <laughs> as is little uh, kinkin i think that leaves at the end of this month oh yeah it does yeah it does that's unlucky uh i went back and watched scrooged because of course we were running through you know holiday stuff. Um, this is good. I think you know uh, what can I say? It's it's a very eighties adaptation. 
Bill Murray with some bizarre hair. Uh, yeah, a, yeah. Lot, a lot of hair, if I remember right, right? A lot of hair, yeah, oh, a lot yeah. of hair. Uh, it holds up relatively well, though. Um, some good practical effects in that one, actually. Mm-hmm. Who's that directed yes. by? Who's that? Is that directed by? Yeah, it was Donner. Yeah, was Richard Donner. Is that? Was it really? I didn't even realize that. I do believe. I, think I guess Donner. that makes sense with that. Um, the night the reindeer died spoof at the beginning with Lee Majors. Then <laughs> that makes sense as to why that looked so competently directed. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. The night the reindeer died. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, Lee Majors, man, getting revenge. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I don't so, know what it says yeah. about me, but I'd rather see that movie than Scrooge. I don't know what it says about me. <laughs> yeah, no, I would rather as well. I just, I'd had it. You know, we kind of go through our usual holiday classics. Sure, like we watch sure. Rudolph, of course, this year. Once again, what can I say? I talk about it every year on the show. Um, it still holds up well. Didn't know it was shot in Japan, though. Mm. So I thought that was interesting. Wait, what was shot in Japan? Rudolph, the red, all the, like a lot, almost all the Rankin Bass stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so holds up wonderfully. Uh, I'll also take this moment to give my annual rants. Uh, Frosty the Snowman is very mediocre. Um, <laughs> Happy birthday! Yeah, me, <sighs> me and Todd had a lot of fun when we did uh, Microwave Massacre, right? Uh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> we, the guy that stars in Microwave Massacre is the voice of Frosty the Snowman. So you. Oh man! You get a lot of moments where you're like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> yeah, that would just be off. I would just, yeah. 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 Oh yeah, if you watch it, it uh, there's moments in Microwave Massacre where you're like, "What is Frosty doing?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I can, I could see that for sure. Uh, watch Charlie Brown Christmas again. What can I say? I talk about it every year. I love it. It is comfort food for me. Uh, watch one I hadn't seen before. I decided to throw in Krampus. Did you guys ever see Krampus? I have. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was good. It was well made. Um, it's fun. I don't know if it would be an annual viewing, but I, I could see myself watching it again at some point. Uh, Tony Collette's always wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's got a you know fun uh, a fun cast who was game for the production. There's, there's some fun stuff. Some some fun stuff for sure. It's not miserable, which I like. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of gleeful. Uh, Jingle all the way, of course. Uh, I always uh, that's become really a, a holiday tradition in our house. It's one we definitely watch every year. Sinbad is very Sinbad-y, which you know is very overbearing. Even my kids roll their eyes when he's on screen, but <laughs> you know it's it's fun to see Arnold as a an, an overworked um, dad who's made promises and he gets in real fucking deep and he's got to find a way out. So, um, and then finally. Finally, I watched a little film. No, oh, no. Uh-oh. Called Joker. <gasps> what is wrong with you? Are yeah. You, so this one. Are you, joking, um, are you joking around right now? I am. <laughs> I sure am. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I won't spend a lot of time on this. There's been so much digital ink spilled, but I, of course I do have to mention it. I, I think in watching it, see... Oh, man, here I go. I said I wasn't going to go on about this one, and I found myself, I found just, myself kind of gearing up to go on a little let's bit. Just, let's just hear what Todd, uh, what Todd's got to say about it. Uh, yeah, before I chime in. No, 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 no. Okay, so I, I'm 40 now, so I'm not 23. Um, man, you're old. I'm old, yeah. Uh, so I think we're, you know, we can consider ourselves of a, you know, bit of a bit of a different generation in some ways. Sure, and absolutely. I started reading a lot of things when this film came out. Um, this, this unbelievable backlash yes. uh, that the film was highly irresponsible. No. 
and it it um, sympathizes incels. And if I'm being quite honest, I didn't know what the fucking incel was until I was. Neither did I. It's so stupid. Yeah, um, you know, so it got a seven minute ovation at a Cannes or Venice or something, and I'm reading all this stuff, and I'm thinking, well, we didn't. The world didn't need another Joker film. No, no, really. I mean. You know, it, here as I'm looking at IMDb, um, The Grudge has been remade again. Mm. Um, it's just this kind of, and I don't know, again, I want to do a, a lament about how creatively bankrupt Hollywood is either, but it seems like the window between reboots is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Sure. Um, I'm sure I could find online what compelled Todd Phillips, it was Todd Phillips, right, that directed this? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. What compelled Todd Phillips to do this film? Because... It, it's so out of character with everything else he's done creatively. Mm. Well, no, that's why that's kind of why I, I said when I talked about it uh, ad nauseum last time that it's closer to his Gigi Allen documentary mm-hmm. uh, than it is to his stuff like The Hangover. Or old school. Yeah, which, listen, we it's could very. At, no, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go, go, go. No, no, no. This is your, <laughs> this is your baby. Okay, so. Yeah, I would say that that's a fair statement because you look at films like Old School and The Hangover, and we don't know that that's who he is. That could be what he's end up roped into in order to have a, a lucrative like career. Sandler. Yeah. In yeah. a way, possibly. In a way. Now, I don't know if he's more penned in than Sandler where sure. I don't know how much creative control he has or if he's sort of – his gift has become his curse, which is to make um, lowbrow – Wild man antics. Yeah. Well, I think he got pigeonholed. Yeah, I think he got got pigeonholed in Hollywood, no doubt. Yeah. So I think it's almost as they often do. uh, Well, do you want to make a film? This we got to make, right? So I I don't know how much of that is him versus, like you said, the Gigi Allen documentary. Um, There would definitely be more parallels between that and this. I think that for me, I think that that's more Todd Phillips than I think that they're both are. Uh, but I think that it's also because he he does kind of have a, a bit of a twisted sense of humor. Uh-huh. Sure. So I think that that really that really kind well, of you know that that's why the the Gigi Allen stuff is closer to I think the true Todd Phillips and the Hangover, the Hangover, Hangover and stuff like that is more uh, sanitized. And I think sure. that that's why when he got enough uh, creative clout. clout, yeah, and he was able he he was given the opportunity to play around in uh, in the DC universe. <laughs> Um, he naturally gravitated towards a character like uh, like the Joker. It just felt so unnecessary. Even though it's not really, it's not really a Joker movie. No, and that's one of the, I don't want to say problems I have, but one of the things I okay. find most baffling about this film is um, how needless it is. And I, I just, we didn't need, like, we don't need another Joker film. How many, this, like, in the past 20 years, in the past thirty years, how many Jokers have we had? And I get that. I get that the character is beloved, and there's a lot of emotional and psychological depth that can be mined, and all this stuff. But it just felt very needless to me. And I think for him to go down this rabbit hole, and again, I, I don't know if this was how original a screenplay this is versus adapted from some story arc. 
Can you tell me? Is it like is this original material? It, it's original material yeah. for the most part. Yeah, it's more original. Okay. It, it, it kind of sort. It kind of sort of leans on Killing Joke a tiny, tiny, tiny bit, but not With the not origin that stuff. Right? Yeah. The yeah. comedy act aspect. Yeah. I like the stand-up comedy aspect. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's there's a little bit of the comic uh, creation in there, but it's mostly uh, an original story. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, I think that watching this, it I find it very hard to believe that Arthur Fleck could become the Joker that we know. Well, that's that's uh, yeah, that, that's part of that's part of why this thing is so off key, right? It's because yeah. he doesn't come off like a criminal mastermind, and that's what a lot of people have said about it as well. Is that I find it very difficult to believe that this guy could ever, you know, become the Joker. And it's like, well, he, he is and he isn't. A number one, and number two, um, you're not a hundred percent sure that all of this isn't just being, you know, filtered his through his head. Yeah. yeah, especially once you get to the ending. Yeah, unreliable um, narrative. And, and, and that kind of that kind of leads back to. Um, the whole thing, uh, like with the in the in the Dark Knight with the Heath Ledger Joker, when he's he keeps giving everybody a different origin story every time he, he you know brings it up, it's like how you know yeah. I don't know how I got these scars, and then yeah, the, yeah. he goes into something different. <clears throat> to me, he shares True. he shares much more with the Heath Ledger Joker than oh, he yeah. does with the than Caesar Romero. Yeah, or well, Jack, well, certainly with the or, yeah <laughs> Caesar Romero <laughs> or the Jared Leto version. You know, the, the, yeah. There's there's the crime lord version of him, the crime criminal mastermind, which I've never been a fan of. No, me neither. And, and, no, and, that and, seems uh, yeah, And then silly. there is the the version that I actually like, which is the one that's uh, more of a harbinger for chaos. Yes, sure, I agree. Well, that's that's the one that I think everybody likes more. Yeah, and because that's, he's you know he's he you don't you're not a, you know, yeah you know where it's kind of it's this thing's going to go eventually, but at the same time the, the surprises that he brings up and the kind of the manic uh, sort of energy that uh, that a uh, good actor can bring to the role i think is what people yeah. what uh, attracts people to it yeah but okay yeah for sure for sure uh i'll say this though i think phoenix is great um i think it's a very sympathetic turn i think it's obviously more a film about you know society failing people and criminalizing yes. those with mental illness mm-hmm. and how they live on the fringes and do you how... feel that it's irresponsible i do not feel it's irresponsible okay. I, I i i i think I say this as someone who likes to think of himself as very progressive, very liberal, very, uh, politically and otherwise, um, that I think we live in an age now where it feels that everything has to be for everybody. And and if it's not, it we very quickly can see a witch hunt yeah. arise. You know, what that, uh, where you, know, things, you know what that's called, right? It's called censorship. <laughs> Yeah, it's called yeah. censorship. When I see everybody exactly. yeah. saying stuff like the things about dragged across concrete, things about Joker, things about stuff like that, if you don't have any irresponsibility in art or even an attempt at it, and I'm not saying the film. I saw the Joker too this past week. I actually watched it on Christmas Eve. Uh, if you don't have some type of aggressiveness in art, nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever progress. Mm-hmm. You have to progress. Well, and it amazes me that there are people who are so steadfastly against things that make them uncomfortable. And maybe, and I, you know, I, I, I certainly don't necessarily want to put, uh, you know, assign um, reasons for this. But you almost kind of, kind of got to wonder if uh, the discomfort comes from being shown something on screen that uh, maybe they do recognize a little bit in themselves, and they're just like, oh well, I don't like that, so get it off yeah. the screen. 
Well, well, I think that's a that's certainly part of it. With some, uh, with a percentage of the audience, certainly there's stuff that I don't like to watch. I was a bit sure uh, anxious to or, or uncomfortable or nervous to rewatch Eyes Wide Shut, being married for quite some time now, and seeing how. Like I said before, the fragility of the male. But that doesn't, but that doesn't mean that, that doesn't mean that you push it away and you no. say that this is bad. Like, no, like no. literally saying these things are no. bad is is that that's that to me is like the height of ignorance yeah. to to be to be to be so close minded that you cannot accept things that make you uncomfortable or that you don't want to hear is just absolutely just ridiculously. I have no no better word for it than stupid. I, yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I, I mean that that just I, I I can't I cannot fathom that, and especially coming from people who claim to be, you know, so open minded uh, are are sometimes the most judgmental. And I'm like yeah. I, I I don't get that. I do not get that. It is the antithesis of everything that they preach, uh, and it, it you know it reeks of hypocrisy that I cannot I I just I can't stand it. It mm. the, it drives me fucking berserk. Uh, yeah. Because I'm not, I, I am a huge anti-censorship guy, and that goes across the board. That goes for shit that I agree with. It goes for shit that I don't agree with. Exactly. That goes yeah. for shit that I hate. Yeah. But exactly. you know, I, I cannot. Uh, it bugs the living crap out of me uh, when people start to start flinging around their their fucking worthless. Uh, ah, I'm <laughs> ranting. Here Part we go. Of the problem. Joker gets him we, going. We, in America specifically. <laughs> We live in well. We collectively, we all do, I guess, through me, North Americans, yes, news and so forth, and social media. Uh, we live in a very politically charged time, and I think sometimes people want to politicize things that don't do. need to be politicized. They and do because now, now everything has to have <clears throat> everything has to have this this uh, this deep other meaning of uh, you know everything has to be everything has to have something bad about it everything has to be looked for it strictly in the, the sense of uh, you know finding something to be outraged about well now that's right because now that's so self-defeating that's so well, that's so regressive it's not even funny well yeah because in this they're going to paint um arthur fleck as a white nationalist and a domestic terrorist yeah <sighs> But, you know, which I almost wonder now, sincerely, if Zazie Beats is put in to sort of defeat that claim, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it's silly. Like, you look at a film, someone mentioned the film Joe uh, with, uh, what's his name, Peter... Um, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. Well, look at fucking Taxi Driver. I mean, obvious, obvious, obvious parallel, right? But yeah, and the, king the of comedy, comedy, obvious comedy. parallel. Yeah, these are all... Right, but... All these are parallels. These are films that are Joker. celebrated, and yeah. they're loved, and they're adored as being... Well, like, what's wrong with putting up a mirror uh, to see how people on the fringes live or how you think they live. Because to me, I think it does deal with that sympathetically, but as far as his mental illness and him being downtrodden, but like, I don't, I just, I fail to see that this is irresponsible because I don't think it celebrates. Mm -hmm. um, No, it doesn't. It laments. It laments yeah. precisely. It laments that people on the fringes uh, sometimes feel that, and, and I get it. I mean, you look at like this. I also felt like Arthur Fleck really is, you know, a thirty-five-year-old man that you know, seventeen years prior could have been a school shooter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it well, shows it, it what society to, does to people. It laments that. That's exactly what it does. Yeah, it tries to be as honest as it can with the world that it sees, uh, whether we like that or not. And, no, you know, yes. people who have a problem with that, I think, have a 
bigger problem than uh, a fucking movie, uh, quite frankly. So and, uh, that's and, that's my overall opinion on I'll, on on that sort of reaction to it. Which yeah, is, it's ridiculous to me. I'll say that it's easier to blame a movie, blame a book. Blame a gun. Blame heavy metal. Well, sure. Blame. This is how you get book burnings. Yeah. This is how you get. This is how you get. Uh, you know, censorship to the level of fascism. That's right. You know, when you want to sure. really get into it, then that's where it starts. It starts. Yeah. You know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Yep. That's so right. you know, you yep. could be as as virtue signaling as you want to be about this this kind of stuff, but it doesn't make you right, and what? it doesn't make this it doesn't make this bad uh, to be out there because you know you can't have it both ways. You can't say that. You cannot say that um, art and movies and video games don't force people to do bad things and then turn around and say that this movie is irresponsible and it shouldn't be out there because it's something that I disagree with. Hmm. I don't – that doesn't make any sense. You yeah. can't have it both ways. You can't have your fucking cake and eat it too on Because I don't – I mean I watched – like I said, I watched this as well. I don't feel like there's anything in this movie that's any more quote-unquote – Irresponsible, inflammatory, or irresponsible than anything else I've watched over the last ten years. <laughs> no, 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 and no. I know there's not. And I'll say this, quite frankly, I think Todd Phillips is such a middle brow filmmaker that lacks nuance at times that he's not capable of some. Um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Insidious kind of seed being planted of irresponsibility. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I just well, don't, kind I don't of place him in that Zack Snyder sort of uh, realm in that. In well, that yeah, I, I'd like to say he, I'd like to think he's emotional, and I, not to I'm not to um, discredit Zack Snyder because I still like his Watchmen, but um, I'm yeah, okay yeah, with I, Snyder. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with for Snyder what too. he does. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, again, I think he also he's almost like you know, like son of Bay with a little. Better yeah, restraint, yeah. you know, but um, there's a time and a place for that, certainly. But no, sure, I think, sure. I don't know. I, I think this was, um, I think the film, obviously, production, let's give it up to the production. The production oh, looks design fantastic. looks incredible. I love the old Warner logo at the front. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot to like in this film, but I do think that Phillips is, uh, respectfully to him, too middle brow of a filmmaker to handle. While he's well intentioned, I feel that he's too middle brow of a filmmaker to handle some of the emotional and psychological nuance that this film maybe would have required. But okay. you know, it was fine. I could say six and a half, maybe territory for me. It was fine. Okay. You know, Phoenix commits. Um, the, the the scene with De Niro, shocking, of course, you know, commentary on some of the things we've seen, self-inflicted and otherwise on national t- on live TV. Um, you know, good on him for making something. It seems like he wanted to, and I don't blame him for being defensive and and um, angry because he probably felt blindsided, right? Like he wanted to. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm know. sure he got blindsided by that. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like, but that's the age we're in. It feels like things can, you know, you have a raging forest fire overnight. Yeah. Overnight, yeah. Yeah. and it's always and a, it's always this vocal minority that the it's a the self fucking, righteous the, thing. Yeah, that this yeah, like I said, this virtue signaling vocal minority who the fucking uh, the the corporations and the studios and everything else bend the fuck over backwards to appease for no no yeah, no it's... no conceivable reason since their their claims are such horseshit that you can't I don't know how they could get laughed off the fucking internet but you know that's the culture that we live in now where every asshole has an opinion and unfortunately you know we all got to smell it so 
Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with smelling assholes. <laughs> you know. We can't we can't talk about that. I gotta talk about the Joker here in a minute. We can't talk about that movie anymore with Todd, man. <laughs> I thought you were. <laughs> I know. I haven't even broken the subject yet. More than you guys it's, have. it's it's like Godfather too, man. Yeah. So <laughs> just when you thought you were out, we pulled you back in. So so Todd, I see so many people just unsubscribing to the show now. Yeah. Well, well I, mean, I, 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 have I, I have to say, like, I, I hope people know us well enough to not dismiss us now as. Um, <laughs> you know, my opinion uh, on that is they're free too. Yeah. Well, they are, but I think that's an unfair criticism because I it think one, one thing you can't, you know, you can only leave you, the you can't please, No, you're right. You're right. And you can't please everyone. I don't think we aim to please everyone, but I do think we go to great lengths to be measured and even handed At times. about uh, about the way we approach stuff. And I think that, um, yeah, I, I just think yeah, you know, it's no, not I, like I we're. Agree. I agree, you know, but I, I get uh, I get my fucking backup when we start getting into stuff like this because I, it is so it is the most insidious sort of thing to my mind. It's the sort of yeah. thing which once you let it go, it just gets worse and it snowballs, and then it becomes something where you're like, "Well, now Big Brother's really watching," and you know that sounds like it sounds like an overreach, but I don't think that it is. You know, because these things, these things, you know, everything starts, these fires usually start pretty small, you know? and well, uh, it, Yeah, and it can be something as small as, no pun intended with the fire aspect, but someone smoking in a film and then it becomes how irresponsible it is to have characters that children see. Well, guess what? Sure. Not all films are made for children. They are not. And, and people smoke. Exactly. Exactly. Fuck, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't like, protect the entire fucking world you from can't. everything that, uh, no, that gets can't. put up on a screen. No, and you can't Nor celebrate. Nor nor no, nor should you. And you can't celebrate the transgressive films of No Way and Henneke and this yeah. guy and that guy. And then yeah. on the other hand, go, this film's irresponsible. Well, yeah. This yeah, celebrates yeah. violence. No, you can't have your cake and eat it too. That's not the way it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely agree with that. But I mean, like I said, that's why I get like really kind of prickly about this kind of thing is because I think it's the worst, most scary kind of shit to allow that sort of thing to to. Uh, go without being uh, without being responded to and responded well, to in, in a rather vocal manner. Um, lest we be accused. And then, you know what happens? Then you get you get tarred and feathered, right? Then we become right, right. Uh, racist. We become sexist. Right. We become yeah, for, for absolutely, xenophobic. For, with, with no proof, with no, with no uh, you know, anything other than feelings. Well, tough, right. Like, and, and, feelings. And, and I think that that's something, again, we've gone to great lengths to be measured and even-handed about things. But at the end of the day, the film, as I've often said, and I'm just going to jump over Sammy here, and I'm going to stop ranting on this film. Um, the great thing about the beauty of film is that it can be um, a microscope uh, yes. to look deeply at things beneath the surface. Um, it can be a telescope. Yes. It can be a mirror that you see in your washroom. It can be a fucking funhouse mirror. You know, it can be all of those things, and that's the beauty of it. And it doesn't need to be one thing. It doesn't need to be one size fits all, yeah. because it's art and it's a subjective and it's an emotional response in terms of what they're putting on screen and in terms of how you're processing it. And what they're putting on screen and how you emotionally process it aren't necessarily running parallel. So right. that's the beauty of it, right? So anyway, I'm I'm gonna stop because I could keep going and yeah. chasing my tail on this one. I'm really want to hear what that Sammy boy thinks. All right, so. <laughs> I watched a little movie called Joker. <laughs> Whoa, get the hell out. We should talk about this. Let's talk about From it. 2019. Watching on Christmas yeah. Eve. I was uh, doing some business there and thought I'll just, I'll just check this out. 
Uh, you know, been wanting to see it. Um, I had I had vo- voiced my opinion of uh, Todd Phillips before. I never really thought he was, you know, much of a filmmaker, more of a comedy filmmaker yeah. and stuff. And, yeah. and that's fine. That is what it is. I enjoyed The Hangover when I first saw it. And I enjoyed Old School the first time I watched it. Sure. Uh, like a lot of comedies, though, they don't really age well. I haven't age really well. watched them or anything. And I wasn't really interested in anything he did after The Hangover. I don't think I watched any of the things he's done, including the sequel. And um, uh, I don't know if he did all three, all two sequels or just the one. I don't At know. I don't know. And uh, I didn't watch War. Was it War Dogs or something like that? War anyway, Dogs, yeah. Uh, yeah. With uh, Jonah Hill and somebody else, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, uh, Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller, I think. Anyway, I just wasn't interested. And then this thing came out, and I was like, okay, well, this is, could be interesting. And then this, as we just talked about, and we won't get into it any further, this fire started in the background, <laughs> and uh, it became this thing. And then it went on to make a billion dollars worldwide. So it, it's it's interesting. Um, I did enjoy the movie. I enjoyed it quite thoroughly. I, I think that it's probably the best thing Todd Phillips has done. Uh, and I, I kind of okay. relate it back to that Gigi Allen thing. It is, it is in a way, it's kind of punk rock filmmaking. It's yes, it's you know aggressive, a bit transgressive, but it's also a bit poignant dealing with mental health and things like that. And I don't think it's really outside of the the fashionable layer that's on the outside of it, calling it a DC movie and dealing with the DC character. It really isn't so much a comic book film. Uh, obviously, it's more of just a film with that kind of, you know, that uh, that sweet wrapping on it, almost like an M and M. You know, so it's. I wouldn't consider it so much that. So I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I did like the aesthetic of the movie quite a bit. The performances, I agree, they're all good. They're all good. Um, um, I'm trying to think. Uh, there was something else I wanted to say, but. I enjoyed the movie. I mean, I, I, I don't think, uh, you know, without getting into the conversation all over again, I don't think that it's uh, irresponsible. I think it's, is it dark? Yeah, slightly. It is. Is it dealing with society's ills? Sure. Uh, can we do that? I think so. I think we should do that more often than we shouldn't. Um, I don't think we do that enough. I think part of my problem with uh, superhero worship and things like that is that everybody has to be good. And uh, the reality is, is not everybody is good. As much as that hurts me to say, the truth is people aren't always good. And uh, that's just a natural human condition. And you can preach about it all you want. Truth of the matter is, some people are good and some people are not good. And comic books, in a lot of ways, mirror society as well. I think people forget that. And uh, Mm -hmm. it's funny because the Marvel Universe thing has created this world of, I want to leave the theater in a good mood. And... uh, and I want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. But when somebody comes along and, you know, perhaps does something a little different, it's kind of shit upon a little bit. And uh, I can see the the parallels between what's going on in society and, and some of that stuff. I could see that. But I could see that. And, I mean, it goes back to Taxi Driver. It goes, like you said, Will, it goes back to films from the 70s. Um, about every three or four years, there's a movie made similar to Joker. The only difference is it doesn't have that comic book wrapping on it. Um, That's right. And I think that's why it got kind of blasted like it did. Plus, I think Phillips may have said some goofy things in some interviews, and I think people kind of took that wrong too. Which press junkets? Yeah, he, yeah press yeah, junkets he are always a bit tricky. Under. Yeah, press junkets are always a bit, you know, tricky for directors and actors and stuff. I think you know. Um, at this point, I wonder if uh, uh, River Phoenix, Jesus uh, Joaquin Phoenix. I wonder if at this point in his life, if he ever is not smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I, Dude, seen, there's just so much fucking smoking in yeah, this. Yeah, and he, who he, smokes more, him or Sean Penn? 
Oh man, that, probably that, him. No, between, probably Well, between yeah, the no, two of them, call. between the two of them, there better be a cigarette outlet nearby uh, <laughs> if they shoot a movie together because these two guys can't stop. I mean, I see interviews with Sean Penn and Joaquin Phoenix, and they're both smoking when they're doing interviews. So I think it's part of the, actually their press junket request is they have to be allowed to smoke. Yeah, yeah of course. Man. So, and again, I have no problem with people who smoke. I have no problem with that. If you want to do that, that is your business. That is your I life. Think, that uh, is your choice. Yeah. 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 You got a handsome friend that. Uh, yeah. 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 Smokes. Yeah. Maybe? I mean, yeah, I, it doesn't, remain yeah, I don't. I, you know, there's no okay, political so ramifications with that. I mean, if you smoke, you smoke. Hmm. If you drink, you drink. If you fart, yeah. you fart. I mean, in life is yeah. life. You could do all three at the same time. Yeah, uh, but be careful. Smoke, open flame, drink, farts. Yeah, open flame, <laughs> alcohol, farts, all Thanks deadly for combination. Quite a Saturday. Yeah, that's a Molotov, Blue Angels. A Molotov cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you know, I think the movie is good. I, I liked it more than Will did. I, I'm probably in the same ballpark Todd's in. Uh, I like to. Where, where was your score, Todd? Around eight. I was around eight. Yeah. 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 Some six. But I'll say this. Like I said, it, it's a don't show your kids. People. No, it's not. It's I, not I mean, I shouldn't say don't show your kids. It's rated R. But, but, it's, but it's, it's, it's very much. It's very much. Um, you know, I, I show as has been well talked about on this show. I show my kids action films and things, but the emotional complexity, right? That you see on the screen. It, it, this is a sad film. Yeah, it's a sad right? movie. It's yeah. it's sad to see someone living like this. Yeah. Yes. It made me very sad to see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't know. It is, that, that's, it's, it's a well, I don't think. I don't think that. I don't think. Listen, if you if you take a, a child to this and then wonder why they didn't like it, I mean, really, that's that's kind of on 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 you um, yeah. because I it, it, listen. Children are not equipped to no. be able to unpack uh, everything that this film is trying there's to get a, at. Yeah. There's so a lot of so that you really can't. You really can't. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't take them to this expecting. Uh, you know. Uh, Batman eighty nine. And uh, and when you don't get that, then you know you're all pissed off about it, yeah. or you, you you say that you know the 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 they shouldn't have made this or whatever. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, being a kid and being an adult, so the, the only difference is is you know being a kid's very black and white, being an adult is very gray. I mean, it's just that's yes. that's right. That's the reality. Right, but that, I mean, that, that comes you know, yeah. But um, what but what you know? But what I'm saying is, you know, there's that point where yeah, I don't think that uh, I don't think kids can can. Uh, can deal with everything that this thing is trying to no, to no. to get at because they're going to take they are going to take it too literally in a lot of uh, in a lot of respects. It's, it's very and clear. I'll be able to see. It's very clear that adults can't deal with everything this movie's trying. Uh, to <laughs> I, I hesitate to call them adults. But anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, it's one of those things, right? But but no, it's yeah, yeah. It's uh, but again, kudos to him for making it. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a good looking film, and there's some, there's a great essential performance. Um, Certainly, it's 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 a it's a character study. It's a performance piece. It's yeah, it's that. it's more it it's more than that than it is a, I guess a a film. It's Comic more, film. It's, yeah, yeah, definitely that. Um, and I think you know it, it it may with the success of it and stuff, it may open the door for more adult themed comics to come to the screen and deal with that this would pathos. Be nice. Yeah, deal with these pathos a little bit more, but. Uh, Hopefully, responsibly enough for other people, I guess. Anyway, uh, yesterday I watched yesterday the the uh, Danny Boyle movie. Danny Boyle, oh, Richard Curtis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're a big, you're a big Boyle guy, I think, aren't you? Like I've, yeah. I've always yeah, yeah. felt like, like you, like you really you yeah. guys quite dig his work. Yeah. yeah, I like Boyle. I don't like Boyles. Uh, they hurt. <laughs> yeah. they Especially hurt. not on your rectum. Oh man! Ooh, no. ooh rectum damn near killed them. Yeah, will yeah. damn near kill ne- you. Never, never had a boil on my rectum. Had him on my ass cheek. Uh, that's Same not thing. good. Yeah. 
Well, not really. Man. Not really. Not really. Well, no. I'll take the one on the ass cheek over the rectum uh, any day. Yeah, no, that's a little too. Ooh, that's, that's a little, a little man. That red hot Good boil. Lord. Yeah. That Laura Ooh. Flynn boil. <laughs> that Laura Flynn boil on the butt cheek there, babe. Get George Eastman to lance that. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, man. Sir Lancelot. <laughs> pissy, pissy. pissy. <laughs> Uh, the, the, so yesterday is, uh, it's interesting. It's kind of the, uh, anti Joker. It's very light. It's very, uh, kind of fun. And so Richard Curtis is involved in this as well. And Richard Curtis made, uh, love actually. And, and, uh, some of these other kind of romantic comedies and romantic kind of happy go lucky British films we've seen over the years. So it's Danny Boyle and Richard Curtis working together for the first time. And it feels exactly like that. It's got the filmmaking of Danny Boyle. With the kind of sweetness and uh, kind of a little bit of peril that Richard Curtis kind of brings to his stuff. And I think your mileage may vary on this movie, uh, depending on your love of Beatles music. There's not a, oddly, there's Beatles music in the movie, but not as much of it as you would think. And it plays with it in kind of a weird way uh, and kind of makes it kind of this uh, fairy tale type of thing. But it's really. I can't explain the movie. I liked it. I didn't love it. It's certainly very kind of odd in its kind of fairy tale tone. Like it never really resolves anything, except for the lead character. So it's it's very strange in that way. Um, and you'd have to see it to kind of understand what I'm saying. But again, I'll say I'd probably only check it out if you enjoy Beatles music and you enjoy that stuff because there is a lot of obviously uh, Beatles praise here. I mean, the movie's made around that. So uh, the performance is really good. And uh, the film, like I said, Danny Boyle, it's very well made, uh, no doubt about that. But uh, it might mileage may vary. Uh, I switch gears and then <laughs> watch something else that's gotten a lot of uh, uh, in a different Ooh. way. Yeah, all right, in, in a different way, it's gotten a lot of political uh, buzz, and that's Rambo: Last Blood. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, watch this one um, again. A movie made. Uh, it seems to start a fire at the the time it's made. Uh, needless to say that uh, the Rainbow character is an Arizona-bound character and lives near Mexico and and stuff like that. And in this, he's he's uh, killing cartel members. That's not giving anything away. Um, but some people decided to take that as a uh, you know, was without getting Todd upset. Some people decided to take that as a uh, you know, a border crossing type thing. Uh, this is a Rambo movie. Okay, uh, I'll be forthright and say this is the weakest Rambo movie. Is it, is it really? I think it is. Uh, even like even past like part three in that. Yeah, yeah. And here's why: they give Rambo. For me, Rambo is nothing more really than a slightly complicated Jason Voorhees. <laughs> uh, maybe he became that. Yeah, yeah, he became that. Now, first blood, yeah, notwithstanding. Yeah. Okay, first blood, right, notwithstanding. Right, right. That's more of a character study and a little bit more of action mix and. And I appreciate that almost on a different level. But Rambo 2, 3, Rambo, and then Rambo Last Blood, they're essentially about, in a lot of ways, they're essentially about the kills. This one is hyper-violent. Not nearly as hyper-violent as Rambo, but it's still pretty, it's, man, it's, it'll, it'll take your breath away every now and then. Every now and then you're like, they're not going to, oh, yeah, ooh, they just did that. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's up there with, uh, certainly, it's, it's close to as violent as the uh, chunky, meaty Rambo. Um, this one so they give Rambo a little bit of a home life uh, he wears a cowboy hat which I'm cool with uh, <laughs> <laughs> hadn't seen Stallone in a, yeah hadn't seen Stallone in a cowboy oh, hat man. since uh, since the rhinestone I guess and uh, so that was kind of cool <laughs> uh, but he's got like a 
like kind of like a foster daughter. Not like it's a daughter he raised because the dad was a shit and blah blah blah. And I don't know when he would have found time to do this. Um, it doesn't really kind of fit with the mythos, but it gives him some kind of emotional attachment to do what he's going to do next. Um, it's it's really kind of weird. It's not bad. I liked it. Um, but it, it's it's an odd Rambo movie. Uh, and obviously the fact that he's killing all Mexican people can obviously lead people to believe it's, you know, right wing and American and stuff in this political climate. But, um, for, for Rambo's sake, none of these particular Mexican people are very nice people. <laughs> uh, so it should be said, I mean, uh, the Rambo character is, if anything, then the first movie, if you think about it, he, he's kind of taking out innocent cops who are just doing their job. Where, yeah. Whereas in this yeah. movie, he's taking out terrible people, but this movie gets shit upon, and the other one yeah. doesn't. Now, it, it you could, that that's another political conversation for another time. Yep. But it's it's funny to me that people want to jump on that uh, because these characters, the baddies, quote unquote, in this movie, there is nothing good about them. They are terrible, terrible people. Does that mean they deserve <laughs> to die? Probably not. But the the truth of the matter is it's a rambo movie so you're kind of getting what you expect here this one's kind of weird though man because he's in these tunnels and it's very i don't know it's it's very slashery in a lot of ways uh he sets a bunch of booby traps i mean this thing is you know mousetrap for days i mean he sets so many booby traps in this it's unbelievable and they're all the kind of booby traps that are in the convenience of cinema and i'll just give you an example you know he knows he's going to get sieged upon in his homestead so he sets one booby trap, one dock, one plate that you can step on that will cause something to happen. He sets that in the middle of a gigantic field with the anticipation that somebody will hit that. And, of course, somebody does. Yeah, I know. Amazing, right? So it's one of those things, you know. So, But I think as a Rambo movie, it's fine. As a, as a movie movie, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a mess. Directed by Adrian Grunberg, who did uh, Get the Gringo with Mel Gibson and I like that one. And uh, he was the second unit director on Apocalypto. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it was, this one This one doesn't have any of that comedy. Get the Gringo had some comedy. This has none of that. Yeah. <laughs> this is very dire, very angry. And eventually, like in all Rambo movies, once the switch is flipped, Stallone goes full Rambo. I mean, it's it's that movie. Uh, you know, he's he's happy. He, not happy-go-lucky, but, you know, he's kind of easygoing, taking a lot of pills. You see him take a lot of medicine in this one. I don't know why that is. He's taking a lot of medicine all the time, you know, and doing that, doing that in the action movie way you do, which is tear the top off with your thumb and then just down about five or six pills. So <laughs> it's probably know. just more expedient on set to have <laughs> yeah. him do it on uh, on camera. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, very bloody though, very gory, very bloody. Uh, so if you're in the mood for that kind of thing, it, this this one will uh, this one will get your goat. I mean, it's uh, it's gory. It's it's a it's a horror movie. I mean, it that this one and Rambo Four. I mean, those movies are Jesus. They're they're gory, man. Yeah. Uh, to well, the point, because to the point know, where back, you wince, you're like, "Ooh, Jesus Christ!" <laughs> Go ahead, Todd. I was just gonna say, um, back when I uh, when I reviewed Invasion USA for the blog, I kind of likened it to a slasher movie yeah. Um, yeah. because of the way that you know, and it's a lot of the way a lot of these. Uh, these action movies um, are where these guys are just, you know, blatantly stalking people. And mm-hmm. the way that they're shot is blatantly like slasher movies. A yeah. lot of close-ups, a lot of fetishization on uh, on weapons and all that sort of thing. Yeah. 
They're gay. I think right? it's very it's very valid uh, mm-hmm. as uh, as being a, a critique of these mm-hmm. overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I say from Rambo two on those those four films very much much more horror films than uh, action films in a lot of ways. Rambo First yeah. Blood itself maybe more of a film in a lot of ways. Uh, this one does have a very awesome closing credit sequence. I got to say that kind of that has a uh, that kind of has an homage to the character, which is kind of fun. Uh, even though you are basically paying tribute to a character that has killed hundreds upon hundreds of people, it is uh, it is kind of fun. Uh, so I'll say that. Uh, that's not giving anything away in the movie. Um, uh, last but not least, I watched Hellboy. I watched the 2019 Hellboy. Todd had oh, watched okay. this. Uh, Todd had watched this. Uh, was it last week you talked about it? Or the week before last. Uh, week? I think it was last week. I, yeah. I talked about. It. And I told you that I had started it, and uh, so I finished it and stuff. You know, I, I like this Hellboy. It's it's way too long. If there's it is long. There yeah. there's one problem I have with it. It's like man, there is so much plot here yeah. uh, that yeah, you yeah. don't need. Uh, there is a bare bones plot that works just fine, but this one has got so much, and it feels like it has to add these. Uh, it feels like almost like a producer or something had. And I'm not saying that it was a producer. It could have been Marshall himself or somebody else had to add these individual action set pieces to the movie. Now, I didn't mind the effects that much. They are kind of clunky and certainly not as slick as what you're used to. But in a way, I kind of found that kind of cool. Okay. The Baba Yaga sequence, I liked a lot. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that sequence is pretty amazing. And I just, and I had to do my research to come to find out the Baba Yaga character is played by a male. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it's kind of cool that that is a male. And that sequence is great. I don't know what the end of it means. I don't know. You know, there's a couple of closing credit sequences. I don't know if you stuck around for any of those or anything, but I did. Uh, they're kind of bizarre. I think that David Harbour, is that his name? Yeah, David yeah. Harbour. I think he does a great job as Hellboy. I think, you know. Yeah, he, I think he, he does. He it's, nails it's the character. Certainly, it's certainly a, a different uh, take on it. Yeah. Uh, from, um, from what's his face? Uh, Perlman. Yeah. From Ron Perlman. Different, he, but slightly the same in some ways. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he still has to kind of be the insouciant teenager kind of character. But yeah, yeah go ahead, Will. I was going to say he like I, we're big Stranger Things fans in our house, big David Harbor fans, of course. Um, and when they had cast him, it just seemed like a just perfect fit. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, he does a really you good know? job. He does a really good job. I, I I gotta say, I mean, I don't I don't think the film's great. Uh, but I'm probably right around the same ballpark Todd was. I think Todd said it was seven. seven? Yeah, I'm around seven that ballpark. Uh, yeah. I was around seven, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's it. You could do worse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's just overlong and it's a lot of plot, but there's a lot of really cool character creations in here, I got to say. Uh, yeah. um, the imagination of, uh, I guess, Neil Marshall and some of those people. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I mean, some of the, the giants are neat in this. The, uh, the Baba yeah. y- Yaga house itself is amazing. Uh, the house on the two ostrich legs. That's amazing. Yep. And uh, just some of the other stuff is really, really cool. Uh, just the movie is very plot-heavy to a point to where I'm like, ugh. And I could obviously, I know this is just my personal thing, just to kind of get Zom's goat a little bit, but I could do with less Mila Jovovich in my life. So You know, it's funny. I, yeah, I always think of him when I think of her. Yeah, I know, I do too. <laughs> she just, you know, I saw her in there and I was like, oh, God. <laughs> She's really taken to the uh, Paul W.S. Anderson route there. Yeah. yeah. Which is mm, unfortunate. Uh, no, it's, it is what it is. I mean, if she's having fun yeah. and she's making money and she's. Well, you know, yeah. Adam Sandler, right? 
if if anything, she she usually plays very strong women. So she does. Hey, no, she does. She does. And you know, truth be told, I don't know how much I'm expecting from her in the Arab house world. So you can have fun and make money. Then who the fuck am I to say anything? Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. I mean, I I mean, my my opinion of her is she just she kind of bores me. But Mm -hmm. uh, bravo to her. She's made a career out of it. She really has. And. Um, I just saw her and I was like, Ugh. luckily she's, well, she's in the, she's in the movie more than I would like her to be in the movie. But, um, I will say it's probably one of her better performances because <laughs> she's not, I thought she did. I thought she did quite well. Yeah, yeah she did. Yeah. All, right, she did all, right. all right. We're going to take a short break over a long intro, uh, that went on. I don't know. We're looking at, uh, about an 80 minute intro here. We're going to wow. take <laughs> silver and gold. Yeah. Next, uh, next week we'll be talking about the Joker on the intro. again. We're going to summarize our thoughts and feelings. In unison, Jesus Christ, yeah. that movie really gets a uh, gets everything, everybody's hair up a little bit. But it's not so much the film that we spend the time talking about; it's the reaction to yeah, it and yeah. where society seems to be at and how they look at art. Yeah, it says more yeah. about society than it says about the film. I can tell you that. Yeah. So. All right, we'll take a short break. I promise I won't play any Gary Glitter, and we'll be back right Aww. after this. The Muffin Man is seated at the table in the laboratory of the Utility Muffin Research Kitchen. Reaching for an oversized chrome spoon, he gathers an intimate quantity of dried muffin remnants and, brushing his scapular aside, proceeds to dump these inside of his shirt. He turns to us and speaks. Some people like cupcakes better. I, for one, care less for them. Arrogantly twisting the sterile canvas snoot of a fully charged icing anointment utensil, he puts forth a quarter-ounce green rosette. All right. (laughs) So, uh, there's only one Frank Zappa, and that's just the way it is. Uh, (laughs) Uh, That's a bizarre one. I remember that. How fitting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, yes, the, the Zappa thing was totally intentional uh, for the review, review of this film, uh, which is 2019's Joker. No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is um, the Hourglass Sanatorium, which oddly, uh, or not so oddly, I don't have it pulled up on my IMDb because I got so sidetracked talking about the benefits of Todd Phillips to the film world <laughs> that... Uh, <laughs> It won't take me a second here to pull it up, but because uh, there's not very much named. My computer is running slow as dog shit, man, uh, and it is really getting on my nerves. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah, sorry. So who who selected this film? Can, uh, uh, Tom Stein. All right, Tom. Here we go. We're going to talk about this movie for you here, buddy, and I'm going to try to even do the Polish title. Uh, the Hourglass Sanatorium, yeah. 1973, Sanatorium Pod Klepsadra. Klepsadra? Clipsadra? <laughs> I love when you're uncertain of words. You'll you'll throw it around three or four times. Yeah, slight variance. It's slight my variance. Part of it. Yeah, Clipsadra. <laughs> Clipsadra. 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 Yeah. Hail Hydra. Clipsadra. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh man. Jo- Joseph. Joseph. Joseph visits his dying father at a remote mental institution where time itself doesn't seem to exist, and the line between dreams and memory becomes indistinguishable. All right, this is directed by Volchek Haas. We've uh, agreed that that's the way we say the name, so we're going to move on from that. 
Uh, <laughs> we will not agree ever agree on how to say Clipsadra or whatever it was just said a little while ago. <laughs> um, I had never seen this. I, I had seen the uh, the poster or the uh, the uh, box art or whatever you want to call it. I had seen that in the past because it's very memorable. Um, I think I'd seen it on something. Uh, of course, it looks like a heavy metal album cover, but. Um, uh, I don't know where I'd seen it, but I'd never seen this movie, so uh, this was quite the experience. Uh, who wants to brave the waters of leading on this uh, Jan Navicki starring vehicle here? Uh, I will. Nice. Unless Todd uh, has a burning urge to. You might have. No, the, you probably have the freshest take, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out of all of us, because I saw this Couldn't a be. couple. Yeah. Then who? <laughs> <laughs> no. A quick question uh, before we get into this film. First of all, Tom, thank you for doing Toys for Tots. Yes. Uh, something we want to get back to. I'd like to get to, back to more philanthropic endeavors through the show. Um, we have a great community. And, of course, there's that Venn diagram where stuff is similar that we all love and stuff that's outside of what we all know. Uh, I had seen this one before, I should say as an aside, and I, I completely bowled me over. Um, but I want to get back to some of that stuff. So thank you, Tom. Um, but, uh, quick question to both of you, Frank Zappa inquired, or maybe he didn't really inquire, but I'm inquiring on behalf of, Oh no, I think I, I think I know where you're going with this cupcake or muffin. Oh, I'm muffin all day. Uh, that was a quick answer. Yeah, muffins. Well, not only because I like muffins, but I like the uh, slang term for muffins as well. So, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a muffin guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, as am I, yeah, I think. I think uh, the, the, the key, the difference is cupcakes are usually sweet. <laughs> and too kind, sweet. And, and dry, a little bit dry. Muff, muffins yes. are a bit more moist and a bit more tame, and I like the kind of moist, tame. Uh, but I mean, if you ask me if I want a blueberry or a banana walnut muffin over a cupcake, it'll be a blueberry or banana nut muffin all day. Chocolate yeah. muffin, uh, you name it, buddy. I wonder how that speaks to our age, because I wonder if 19-year-old us would take the cupcake. Uh, not, uh, not me. Uh, not me. I'm, uh, not, I'm, no? not, I'm not an icing guy. I hate icing. So okay. that right there takes cupcakes out, of the, the, out, out of the competition for me. The deal breaker. Yeah, I'm not an icing guy. Even on cake, I, I tend to eat the cake and don't touch the icing. Really? Yep. Not an icing guy. I don't like all buttercream. Don't nope. Don't like it. Don't like all. <sighs> that, don't like all that How sugar. Proud. I will. Jeez. I will say this is like the large spoon thing. The yeah, it is. It is kind of like it is kind of like that. It is kind of like that. I will eat the buttercream on the inside of the cake that holds the layers together. I'm not above. Yes. That. I'm not above that. But I should hope not. The decor- I mean, that's a very <laughs> specific way to eat cake. Yeah, the, de- the decorative icing and things like that, not a fan. I do like flavored icings a little bit. Obviously, I like chocolate fudge and sour cream and some of those. I do like those a little bit, but it's very touch and go for me. We've gotten really deep into this conversation. Decorative icing has come a long way. Let me say that fondant yeah. is good. Fondant, fondant. I sound pretentious when I say fondant. Yeah, it does, it does sound pretentious. Uh, ooh, fondant, fondant. We'll fondant, say that. Okay. Yes. Anything before we jump off the cupcakes, muffins, Todd? Uh, I like muffins. <laughs> Can we agree that Morning Glory is a ridiculous <laughs> overstatement of a name for a muffin, though? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's yes. ridiculous. Morning Glory. Yeah. Glory, this. Ridiculous. Yeah. Now, if it was called Morning Glory Hole, 
<laughs> well, that gets back into the muffin conversation I was talking about earlier. Yes. No, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, the glory hole doesn't go the other way. It's always the, it's always the the stem, so to speak, instead of the flower that you go into the glory hole for. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Todd's going to start working on some some reversal glory hole videos for us now. Well, next week's Todd's turn in the barrel. So Uh-oh. that's how we do. <laughs> we're a democracy. <laughs> yeah, we're a glory hole democracy here. Glory want, hole democracy. That want, sounds like a great band name, yeah, glory I, hole democracy. I want to say again, you know, for the record, that I'm so sorry for my kids one day that when they listen to this stuff that uh, – I've thought the same thing. Your dad is a crass – terrible but remember pig of a man just, yes but just remember we're all pigs just remember that i do it a lot of it for the sake of uh comedy and entertainment yes yes precisely yes air quotes yes, comedy air quotes. yes no, I'm with, i've thought the same thing i'm like my kids are gonna hear me say some shit and i hope i don't have to explain it yeah talking I'll, about cruising and fisting and i'll keep this thing secret much longer than santa claus i can promise you that yeah, <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, okay, so this film, not to uh, sidetrack anymore, but I thought it was, I was very curious about where you guys would stand on the cupcake muffin thing. So for the record, we're all muffin. Um, okay, so I'd seen this film, and this is the kind of film that I, I adore. I'm sure if I asked both of you after you'd seen this film, if you felt one way or the other, if I would like this film, I'm sure you both would say, oh, yeah. This is this feels like the kind of film that I would I would really dig. Yeah. Well, I suspect that uh, even Yodo, uh, Yodorowsky would have uh, really enjoyed this. Absolutely, and that's funny because that's a filmmaker I, I hadn't really thought of when I thought of, you know, kind of some similar filmmakers. You know, you think of Lynch, you think a little bit Fellini. Yeah. Um, yeah. You think oh, there's a few more names I've written down over time, but we'll get to those. But no, I would say uh, Gilliam. I think Gilliam. Yeah. Um, but uh, good old uh, Alejandro is definitely a good uh, a good comparison, I think. Yeah, Polish. I got a lot of that. I got a lot of Jodorowsky kind of mixed with a uh, yeah. I'm using the Monty Python name, but I only say that because of Terry Jones and Terry Gilliam. Yeah, uh, they the visual style, the kind of fisheye lens, the tracking shots. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's definitely some. Well, I mean, they're making films around the same time, so. Uh, there's definitely well, a lot and that, of that. And that, that trash aesthetic yeah. that they uh, they tended towards. Yeah, yeah the muck, right? Mm-hmm. The yeah, muck. And every scene in this movie is full of stuff. Oh, yeah. Packed, yeah. just chock full. Uh, so, I mean, it's chock. amazing. It's amazing. It is incredible. And I think that I look at a film like this, and when I'm done watching it, I wonder to myself... I talked about Roger Rabbit being a feat in and of itself. Films like this are feats in and of themselves. I think that um, this is, well, I don't think, I know this is an adaptation from, I think, Bruno Schultz, uh, Bruno Schultz story, I believe. And now, have you guys ever seen the Saragossa manuscript? No, uh, no, I have not. I've never seen it. I've always meant to. Um, but, These, those are the two, oh. those are the two quote unquote Vochak Haas films you're, you need to see, I've heard? Those are, yeah, those are like the essential Haas jams. <laughs> so The Haas jams. <laughs> the yes. Haas jams. But uh, I, I still have to see it. And after I saw this last time, like four or five years ago, I said, fuck, I got to go see it. And here we are. I haven't seen it. So I got to go see it. I'm going to say Vochak Haas is a muffin man. Yeah, oh, I would God, say yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, I would say absolutely he's yeah. a muffin man. He's a muffin man, no doubt. Absolutely he red, is. Red Velvet in particular, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Red velvet muffin. Mm. Go for some muffins right now. He's, for, he's not doing one of them poppy seed ones. No, I think he'd want, but I would say nuts and other things in it would be up his alley. Lots going on in the muffin, just like his film. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right? He's probably got some cranberries, some walnuts, some yeah, you know, all sorts of stuff. It's a busy muffin. It's a busy muffin. This is a busy film. So we've talked about Eastern European film on the show a few times. We did Daisies, Czech, yeah. uh, Czech correct? Czech uh, sort of surrealist. Yeah. And then uh, Todd and I, uh, just, we just did a Czech film a few months back. Well, it's been probably more than a few months back now, but we did a science fiction Czech film. Akari, was it X8? Oh, Akari X11. X11, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, Which, yes, yes. Uh, again, the camera work is always the thing that kind of draws you to these movies because it's pretty amazing, this Eastern European, um, you know, the visuals are always very interesting. It yeah. is, and, and, you know, that kind of that kind of brings me around to, you know, when you look at, and this is kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, um, the posters from, uh, from like, Poland, Poland. and that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are just they're amazing uh, yes. pieces of art, and it's really kind of interesting to me that 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 section of uh, of Europe is so so strong visually, and so kind of daring, and so kind of um, willing to be uh, more outside of uh, of the traditional sort of beauty uh, and make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, then, uh, then you see in a, in a lot of other places, and you got you, you kind of got to wonder if that comes from uh, their uh, their cultural history, or if it's just like uh, like wh- where does that stem from? Because it really seems to be really strong uh, in that in that section of the world. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I could I couldn't say. Can I can I make a very middle of the like? I'm by no means an intellectual. I'm an ape, and I would never proclaim to be otherwise. But um, I wonder how much of that has to do with them, because I've always also been fascinated with the artistic interpretation uh, that they put on posters. So I wonder how much of that is subversive surrealism and symbolism in their posters, because literal. Um, uh, literal interpretations couldn't really be put forth in a time of heavy censorship. Yeah. Well, you kind of got to wonder about that because some of those posters are pretty brazen, and they're very far out. Some, I mean, just really far. Like, like more, they're more, uh, they're more graphic uh, than some of the movies that uh, yeah. that they they uh, they're advertising, and and some of them have absolutely nothing to do. Uh, with the movies that they're advertising, but they're just amazing pieces of artwork. Yeah, they are. They are. Well, there's no, something, it's there's, interesting. There's some, yeah, there's something to be said too about you know, again, not to sound over intellectual about any of this stuff, but you know, when there's a heavy amount of repression in any society, it seems like there's a art. Yeah, there's an artistic uh, kind of uh, energy that comes out of that because you're being you're being repressed. So there's mm-hmm. this creativity that kind of jumps out. So I think a lot of Eastern European cinema, art, uh, literature, all that kind of stuff, I think a lot of that is kind of transgressive by nature because they were so held back in some ways. Absolutely. You look at a filmmaker like Almodovar, it's no coincidence that his films is very much celebrated. They were vulgar, punk rocky, right after Franco. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You're allowed, you know, you're allowed to turn things up to eleven after they've you've had to keep it on mute for so long. Yeah, yeah, we right? did. We did it in the '70s, right? We did it in the late '60s and '70s in America. Yep. 
Absolutely. And, uh, you know, every country's kind of gone through this. So it's it's interesting. But there's always been people that have pushed the boundaries before that. Uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I got, that's the first name that came to mind. I don't know why. I'm not even the world's biggest H.G. Lewis fan. But it's, you know, I think about the movies he was making in the early 60s with gore and stuff. That was very oh, way, transgressive. Way, right? way ahead of. Yeah. yeah. And that was, you know, it was. It was made basically not only just to make a buck, but I mean, he wasn't making an artistic statement. He was really doing it to make a buck, but he make was a buck. Yeah. But in the process of doing that, he was breaking boundaries. He just didn't know it at the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I do want to say before we go any further, this film does. When I'd first seen this, it was like a, a VHS fan subbed or something. It has since uh, had a Blu-ray release from, I want to say, a British company, Mr. Bongo. Hmm. I, thought Keen, I don't know. I thought Kino Lorber put it. Did Kino Lorber put it up? Kino might have also put it out uh, domestically. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I believe. They might have. Yeah, Kino probably did. I'll have to take a look at that. But anyway. I'm looking now. A film, okay, so you do that. I'm going to keep rambling on here then. So a film like this, it's really wonderful to see it be restored because as we had talked about, there's so much going on visually here. It's almost like that film uh, from a few years ago. What is it? Hard to be a god? Was it Hungarian? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was Russian. Just eh, Russian, right. So again, it all comes back to Mother Russia, right? Like um, the technical proficiency. Uh, some of the stuff in this, to this day, like some of the, the, the camera works astounding. Um, some of the fisheye lens stuff, which lends itself very, very well to that dreamlike feel. Yeah, you're right. Mr. Bongo Films is what it released. Mr. Bongo. So the the camera work in this, I'm not sure if I've seen too many films. This film might capture a dreamlike feel for me more than any other film I can think of. Like dream lo- real dream logic, not like Italian horror dream logic, <laughs> like actual dream logic. The closest it, I can think uh, that come close to it is that uh, last that Jodorowsky film we reviewed. Um, what was oh, that? Uh, the one with the the golden showers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, something of life. Uh, yeah. Oh crap! How terrible Book is it? No, we can't even remember the title. <laughs> the muffin of life. Yeah, the muffin yes, of life. The muffin of life. The Jodorowsky Fuck. film. But you know, anyway, anyway, it reminds me of that. Let's say that it reminds me of. Sure. This because it's also told from the perspective of a child and in some ways, yeah. and this is obviously without you know giving too much away because I don't think you can really spoil something like this. But this is no very memory based. This whole film is very much a uh, life flashing before your eyes type of moment put to film. I would well, I think yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. But and then it'll toggle between that and it'll toggle between it being almost. Um, a look at a, at a at a country, you know. You, I think it's no coincidence you see a country Poland at the time that was hard pressed to provide a, a quality way of life. Everything's crumbling around you. Yeah. Um, well, this is. It starts off well all through the movie. There's, I mean, a lot of stuff is just you know drab and gray and rotting. Uh, and I was wondering, you know, do you think that like with the train ride uh, at the beginning of this thing. Um, and obviously, you know, that's, there's a lot of allusions to like metaphors for like death and insanity and that. But sure. Um, do you think that there is Nazi illusion in that? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. you see them fleeing the town. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I, from what I understand, um, 
I don't see how, and I, this might sound. I don't. I don't think this sounds crass, but I don't see how you tell a story if you're from Eastern European country and you put any type of um, <laughs> people on a train like that. How you cannot make that connection? How you cannot make that cannot connection? Not, because it yeah. just, especially Polish people. I mean, it just. Yes. It seems like inherent in that in that scene it's never forthright and never said but i totally got no. that almost immediately i got it as a matter of fact well well yeah yeah and you look towards the end when he kind of comes out from that window um the ground level window and everyone's fleeing the town with their luggage and the town's like in ruin yeah yeah and because there's that sort of logic in this like we've all had dreams where we're talking to someone and they're it's, it's our dad but it's like it's mick jagger but it's our dad do you know what I mean? Like there's that weird kind of thing oh, where yeah. Yeah. people are representing the people in his life. And then there's other scenes where it is actually his father and mother. I was, uh, um, I was dealing with the glory hole and it was Todd Phillips. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> no, the, my, speaking, my, speaking of Todd Colley. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, but I mean, yeah, the whole movie kind of centers around this, uh, that sort of dream logic thing, but it's trying to get at memory and truth. It's really trying to, well, to, yes. Uh, to deal with with uh, this guy and his life, and you know how he came to to this point, but then, you know, it does take some it does take some hard lefts here and there uh, into the realm of the bizarre that don't necessarily make sense unless you really sit down and, and think hard about them. And even um, then, and even then, you can it's come not, up it's with not three or four different interpretations sure, of, of what the, absolutely. the meaning very, or the symbolism is. It's very open to that. Like, I mean, you have you have the whole thing with the. Uh, uh, I think the first scene where he actually uh, meets up with his dad, uh, you have all the bird heads, you have all the birds everywhere, these really colorful, uh, you know, birds and bird heads, and it almost looks like carnival or something like that. Yeah. And there's, you know, there's multiple ways you can look at that. You can look at it as, you know, this is because of his dad's connection with uh, with birds his his love of birds and research and all that sort of thing mm-hmm. uh it could be with you know trying to fly away and all that sort of thing it's, it's multiple things um, and, or what and, do birds symbolize in polish culture or a culture in general or right, the symbolic the, of right 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 um and you know it, 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 part of this uh, also goes to uh uh, religion, uh, you know, Absolutely. specifically, Faith, uh, there's yeah. specifically Judaism. Yes. Um, and cause there's that whole big scene where he's waking everybody up in the, in the shop. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's, it, it gets into this whole thing about how these people celebrate and question, uh, God. Um, which again, that would go back to a little bit, uh, the, uh, the Nazi illusion where, you know, it was, um, it was said that the, the Jews in the camps actually put God on trial and found him guilty. Um, and, uh, I mean, symbolically, obviously, but, of course, uh, yes. uh, but I mean, that that's in here too. It, it just, it bounces around to so many things. It goes to, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's, um, it's so many things to, to so many people, but it's all around this, this guy who, you know, it's got sex, it's got uh, death, it's got I love, lost, it's yeah, got, yeah. Love. Well, I mean, yeah, the Adele, I think her name is Adela, uh, character. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, uh, she's certainly interesting, right? She's all sex all the time, or at mm-hmm. least, or at least, um, She's perceived uh, sen- that way. Sen- sensuality. She is sensuality, but I feel that she's aware that she's perceived that way, and she plays that up 
more so she than she necessarily actually is. And she I, does, although I think I think they say that she never says no, right? Yeah, but right. I, I also she's got a, a very vibe. Fellini-esque character. Yeah, I got, yeah, 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 yeah. I got a vibe from her too that was very motherly as well. So it's yeah, it's kind of yeah. dealing oh, with yeah. that Oedipus which complex, goes into which, some deep seated stuff. Absolutely. Yep, yep. Yeah. There was a phrase I had never heard before. Um, because I'm not, like I said, I'm not that much of an intellectual, but I think it really applies with this film. And it's the have you guys ever heard the phrase negative capability? Negative capability. Yeah. Oh. So I don't know. I gotta, it sounds like enabling, but yeah, no, it's um, so it, it was a poet. Uh, Keats actually came up with the phrase. Um, it's to, it's the capacity of of artists to pursue a vision of artistic beauty, even when it leads them into intellectual confusion and, and uncertainty. Ah, yeah. Which I think this film really does. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, but no, that's the thing. Like you guys have said, I think looking at this film is the second time I've seen it. This is why I almost feel like every couple of years I could watch because I feel like there's everything's stuffed to the brim, visually and otherwise. Um, ideas and what things could mean and the symbolism behind these things right um i think there's some of the fish the fish uh fish eye lens stuff um feels very much like that eastern european paranoia that you see from so many polish filmmakers Mm -hmm. right there's this intense feverish kind of paranoia at times and i do have to wonder there's one moment it felt like they dropped us into parmistan i was half Half waiting for Kurt Thomas on a pommel horse mm, yeah. <laughs> to pop with all the bird masks and everything. I wanted the dude to turn around the Cyclops. It wouldn't or not have, the Cyclops with the head. It wouldn't have been out of place if it happened. I would have been like, oh, okay. It, yeah, it would have felt <laughs> organic, right? It would have felt organic. Yeah. What was that film? Do you remember the other film, Sammy, we did? Fantastic film, Serbian film, not a Serbian film, uh, called, I think we did it on the show, Sweet Movie? Uh, I feel like... I don't know, man. I don't. I, I sweet, sweet movie. I'm pretty sure it's called. It's a tremendous piece of work. I don't think it's quite as good as this one, but um, really amazing film. We've done quite really a bit of film. Eastern European stuff. That seems to be something that we champion quite a bit on here, right? So, well, yeah, I think it because I think it it's kind of it's it's art house that's not afraid to roll around in the muck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't have as much restraint. It it kind of gleefully rolls around in the shit and well, I think it, and the, the the bodily fluids. Yeah, yeah. There's that aspect to it, but there's also the kind of harsh reality of that cinema. Kind of yeah. mixed kind of mixed with the kind of fantastical camera work that kind of works. Oh yeah. Like letters That's never letters never sent and uh, come and see yep. and Oh God, yeah. All these films we've done over the years. And uh, the Tarkovsky stuff we've done. Yeah. I mean there's just there's this sensibility to it where it's fantastical, yet it's kind of based in reality. So it's kind of a, mm-hmm. it's a interesting mix. And 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 they they like a lot of great uh, filmmaking countries, Russia and Czechoslovakia and these places. They can they use genre to kind of comment on uh, society's ills and uh, similar to the way mm-hmm. we do. And mm-hmm. then, um, but then they also do these kind of absurd. Well, absurdist in some ways, art films. Uh, I mean, this movie is the proverbial rabbit hole. I mean, it's oh, it is. It's just it starts out as one thing, and already you know everything's slightly off, and then it just keeps going further and further down the rabbit hole. And I, I, you know, at some point, I'm like Jesus. I mean, how much more stuff can we throw in here? And uh, they just keep throwing it. He just keeps throwing it, 
and uh, a lot of it sticks. It's not like it's not messy. Uh, a lot, some of it doesn't didn't hit for me. Some of it, uh, I was starting to tune out a little bit. Like I had moments, and it might be the length of the film because it's it is it is partly that, and it's a little bit. It partly is for me at least a little bit too scatter shot. It's a lot it's to take very... in. It's it can be overwhelming. It can be exhausting. Well, it, there is yeah. so much he's trying to pack in. here. Yeah, it feels like a sanatorium. I mean, it feels like you're in a sanatorium yeah. watching a movie. <laughs> Probably by design. Yeah, probably by design. Right. And I have and to Joe believe. Yeah, I have to believe that you know a lot of the stuff, like all the breast shots. Uh, I have to believe a lot of this stuff comes from <laughs> you know, not not from the filmmaker. It's not like Fellini esque fetishism of the breast. You know, because we we all know about Fellini's kind of fetishistic nature toward female breast and Russ Meyer's oh. fetishistic nature. But this one is more of like a, it the it always felt motherly. Yeah, well, it's a, a child's fascination with that sort of thing. Yeah, a child's fascination with breast, and that, that sounds like a weird thing to say, but that's what it feels like. And sp- speaking of, does. you know, there's that, there's that, uh, and I don't know why I wrote this because I can't remember it offhand in the movie. But there's that guy who asks uh, Joseph for a light. He's got the best rack in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you guys remember that. Or oh, not, I sure I, do. And I, I was wondering, is that just like a, like a, like a synthetic, not synthetic? Um, what's what I'm looking for? A prosthetic, prosthetic kind of uh, breast like that. He had a pretty authentic looking hanger, man. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, and then of course, I think you know with the Adele character, I think it's her name. You know, there's that kind of budding adolescent sexuality there because you know he's peeking around corners to look at her nude, um, which is something you know all of us as young boys eventually are peeking at something out of curiosity. Maybe even young women. I don't know. I can't speak from the perspective of women because I'm not a young. I was never a young girl. But I'm just saying, for me, I got from that scene where he's kind of peeking around the corner, I got this almost once upon a time in America type of fascination with the op. It's, it's kind of those first moments you get that fascination with the opposite sex. And you start to look and you're very curious and it, it's totally healthy, totally normal. And it's not yeah. pornographic in any way, the, the scene. No. It's not pornographic. But she is fully nude, but you never sense any kind of deviance there it's just it's all curiosity and then the rest of the film kind of plays out that way there's all these moments of curiosity of him uh dealing with african-americans or well african folks i don't know if they're american that would be uh there's also uh, him dealing with haitians they were haitians yeah i believe they say negroes it was haitian in soldiers the movie. yeah yeah, say, yeah 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 they yeah. say negroes in the movie and and it's it, there, there's these moments of almost childlike wonder so I didn't know anything yeah. about the movie going in and then kind of watching it and I'm sitting there thinking, well, this, wow. this really this really feels like some type of fever dream you have of yes. everything you've ever kind of been interested in as an adult, as a child, as an adult, and as an old man. And then when it gets to the end, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of what it is. <laughs> it, that, yeah, you nailed it. I do think this feels like a fever dream, an intense fever dream as you look back at your life and you're and then, yeah, you're, you're plunking in like... Uh, religious stuff, um, sure. cultural things. There's, there's just, it's just stuffed. It's a, yeah, just a stuff to the gills fever dream. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things. It's what cinema does really well is that it can do this kind of thing, especially in the hands of somebody like this or, uh, Tarkovsky or Eisenstein or, uh, Herzog or you name it, man. Uh, some of these filmmakers, Haneke, so one of the things they can do is they can, kind of give you this Kubrick they can give you this material 
and you can interpret how you want to interpret it, and then they don't have to explain it. They, I mean, a lot of those guys don't explain what they do. They just do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of comes out of who they are. And that's something that, you know, we, we still get some of that every now and then in modern filmmaking, but it's, it's obviously not as prevalent as it once was. Uh, you still get no. filmmakers that do it. Almodovar is a great example. He still does it uh, quite a bit, actually. I think his newest film, I've heard nothing but good things about it. It's very personal. Um, Banderas basically playing another avatar for Almodovar again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's so this this there's these things that I think Haas is throwing up there from his childhood as well, from what he's experienced during the war, all these things, and uh, there's no real explanation for any of it. And I think that's fine. I think that's absolutely. But I, but I think in saying that, I think only the the biggest of cinema buffs are really going to get some things out of this movie. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Now, because, it does. I I, think, this I, isn't I, for the yeah, casual it, viewer. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's not something you just kind of... Well, I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, I think of what Will said earlier this morning, right? Uh, you know, the kid's asking him, is this the weirdest movie Dad's ever watched? Uh, I, honestly, the answer is I, not even close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know some of the stuff that their dad yeah. has watched, and I know that this isn't even close. Yeah, right. But yeah. I know that also, for a child, this movie would be either terrifying or confusing baffling yeah just so they were so baffled at what they were like <laughs> because they come to expect this linear narrative and it just it, it just it's not that this is kind of all over the map and yeah. you transition from what's that that incredible shot where it transitions from that underground layer and what the camera just pans up and he's up uh, above ground in this like this courtyard with all these bird-like creature uh, masks and everything. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a few shots like that in this film that are just amazing. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's funny because the film is it, it is uh, a whirlwind uh, of experiences, good, bad, and horrific. But I think that you know Haas, as we've been kind of getting around to here, as you know, he uses a very studied approach, uh, I think, to portray it and to organize it for the viewer. Um, I think it's still a lot to take in. Yeah. But I think that, you know, Haas makes it work on its own terms uh, through his, uh, his technical expertise. Um, you know, you could you could say or, or write just about anything about this film and not be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's kind of uh, a testament to uh, to how how measured uh, Haas is in his uh, in his approach to this thing, even when it's even when it's. Um, threatening to be uh you know nothing but chaos it never really is it never 100 percent is it's always it's it's almost like uh, it's almost like musical theater uh in a certain way yeah uh because mm-hmm. there's just there's, you know you get the stage and you know it, it looks like a bunch of people just jumping around but it's really not uh it's all very orchestrated or calculated yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah, it's yeah. meticulous and it's in its chaos it's it's meticulous yeah yeah no i would agree with that i would agree with that 100 percent and it's no small feat to do that because I think we've all no, seen isn't. enough unintelligible messes of films, incoherent messes of films, that something like this to to make it, yeah, to be as as orchestrated as it is, is a real feat. <laughs> you know, it, it really, yeah. really is. Like, I, I, this is the first time I've seen it. I wasn't left confused. I knew what was going on. That's mm-hmm. a bit of a feat in and of itself because I think this is the kind of movie that probably warrants rewatches it's like that like you said earlier it's kind of that kind of thing you have to revisit almost mm-hmm. uh, to get more out of it and maybe you know obviously i probably will because i'm the kind of person that likes to revisit things be it 
you know, the Hourglass Sanatorium or be it, uh, you know, the sixth episode of the first season of BJ and the Bear. I mean, <laughs> it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in, right? I mean, um, but I do like to revisit art because your interpretation changes. As you age, as you mature, and as you change, your interpretation of art changes. Even my interpretation of BJ and the Bear, which is, why the hell does this guy have a chimpanzee in his truck? Um, why didn't everybody? <laughs> yeah, why didn't everybody? Uh, yeah. But no, it's it's just, it's but that that's the one of the great things about art is is that you can go back and you can re-experience it in different ways. It should be said, the sixth episode of season one was called "Never Give a Trucker an Even Break." There we go. Nice. It aired March twenty fourth, nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, I don't think oh, six years after the hourglass. Yeah, and, and Will yeah. wasn't even in the world yet. No, I was. I was a twinkle in uh, my dad's eye at that point. <laughs> Next episode sounds very GGTMC. Lobo's Revenge. It is. Well, it's a very GGTMCS show, no doubt about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. And, and, and uh, like chicken, most shows, chicken. yeah, <laughs> like most shows right. from that era, it is absolutely terrible if you go back and watch them. Actually, but there, oh, yeah. but there is some kind of quaint weirdness to to that era of television. That's you know, obviously, I grew up on it, so that's that's what I remember. There's, absolutely, there's a deep. Um, Nostalgia for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, this almost feels like a surrealist European Altman film in a way, too, the way it kind of weaves in and out of dialogue. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like that. I like, you know, the, the fluidity of the film is just astounding, as we've been talking about. Um, I think it's almost like this film also is very poetic. Like it has this very philosophical, po- it's like philosophical poetry. Yeah. And that might sound like a phrase that's off-putting to some I mean that in the best possible sense. I think if you listen to the show long enough, you've probably already figured out by this point in the review if this film's for you or not. Um, yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I think there's it just. I think this is a beautiful, wonderful, confounding film. Uh, not even confounding. I, I don't think it's confounding as much as it's yeah it's just it's it's open to interpretation and it's like you said a fever dream right yeah. it really is a, a cinematic well, fever I think- dream. I think that we we say confounding. Um, we're kind of getting around to uh, like the the Joseph character himself because he he's you know clearly he either doesn't fully understand the world he's entered, or he's susceptible to it. Neither way, uh, he's that sort of uh, like gormless innocent character uh, who tries and fails to apply rationality to the irrational. Mm. Uh, so then he just kind of goes along with it and uh, and reexperiences things. Like he, it's weird because he's. On the one hand, he he seems to be resistant to the, the the this world that he's in as it keeps changing. But then at other times, he jumps right into uh, being that little kid again, uh, and uh, you know having his fantasies about the girl in the steamboat and having the, his uh, his friend who has the uh, the book with all the, the different places they want to go. Oh to. yes, uh, yes. You know he's a, he's he's a you know kid detective here, and then he's a, he's a, a a child looking up to his dad uh, there. Um, so I think that it's, you know, that's the sort of thing we're confounded in the same way that the character is confounded. I think that yeah. it's, you know, he's kind of our, our, uh, our Guide, viewpoint into our viewpoint. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, into the film. So it makes as much sense to him as it does to us. So it starts to, it just kind of, it kind of gets a little circular in that way, I think. Mm-hmm. Which, which really, I think kind of the, the whole point in life, right? The, the way the ripple effect and how things kind of sure. weave in and out and, and history repeats itself, whether it's in the context of um, the, the dangers of uh, the dark side of humanity or in a very personal sense in terms of 
life and our relationships with our parents that are, you know, oftentimes we are always their children. Right. Um, we're always their babies in a way. Right. And, um, right. Yeah. But I, yeah, but uh, he's, he's, you know, I, I think that he's trying to get at, uh, how, how we saw things then and how we see things now and how they kind of intersect. Yes. Um, because it's, you know, it's, it's truth changing over time. Right. Oh, which is very, very much the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, because uh, our, our perspectives, that's how it is, man. Yeah, our perspectives change over time. Like what I thought Truth. was, what I thought was important when I was eight years old, is not even close to important at forty six. Right. And what I think is important at forty six will probably except not for be. Muffins. Yeah, except for muffins. Those have always held st- uh, steady. Uh, the great consistent in life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, at seventy six, if I make it that far, uh, life will be the you know throw another curveball at me. It will not certain things will not be the same there's a there's a great it's a great thing and a scary thing about life that i've come to realize in middle age is that what you think your life will be is not always what your life will be and even Mm -hmm. if you reached a certain point of success or depravity or loneliness or happiness in the next 20 years your life will change again it just it will always change it will not always stay the same and that's both frightening and uh, there's something kind of heartwarming about that, too, because it means that life is forever kind of in your face and kind of always uh, changing with you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, doesn't mean that it's always going to be the same. And, uh, again, there's some fragility to that. Some people are really terrified by that because you get comfortable and you want life to be the way it is. But life has a way of, uh, you know, it's the old uh, saying, what, uh, I can't remember what it is, something when you're making plans or whatever it is. Life is what happens when you're busy making plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that where, you know, and it's true. I mean, you just, you never know what's going to come around the corner and hit you. And that, that terrifies me as a middle-aged man. And, but it also is part of the enlightening part of uh, life and what we have to deal with. And it kind of changes our perspective. I'm a much nicer person at 46 than I was at 26. Um, Mm -hmm. But some things have happened in those 20 years that have made me a better person. In some ways, they may have made me a worse person. I don't know, but I feel like I've become a better person. So uh, it, it's it's interesting, and that that's I think what this movie is too. It's it's very crass in the beginning, and then as it kind of goes along, it kind of it's almost like he's having this enlightening experience as he goes along. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So no, I think it is. I think it is true. supposed to be enlightening. Yeah, yeah. Because enlightenment is what we all are striving for. I would imagine. Absolutely. Right. right? We all want to make sense of all this shit. <laughs> Right. Which is right. hard to make sense of sometimes. Yeah, it is. Todd Phillips did a pretty well, good job in Joker, though. <laughs> I'm not biting. <laughs> you know, and it's interesting here because, uh, of course, the blind conductor is the one who can see everything. Uh, but he's kind of resigned to very just strong. kind of being like, yeah, eh. very strong George Eastman vibe from that blind conductor. I gotta yeah, say, yeah, I had yeah. I had a moment where I was, Eastman, yeah. yeah, I had a moment yeah. where I was like, ooh, is that George? E-? No, that's not George Eastman. But I had a moment. Or from a certain angle and his height and everything else, I thought, ooh, yeah, that might be easy. Yeah, yeah. could totally but see I him mean, playing yeah. that role, except the only difference is he'd be raping everybody on the train. and Yeah, absolutely. Would. <laughs> yeah. Eating their guts. Yeah. Pissing on them. What a career you you have to have. Talk about somebody who doesn't want his children or anybody to see anything. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do in the movies, Dad? Well. <laughs> what didn't I do? <laughs> Did you ever see the movie about the dog and the girl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, no, I mean, that's getting around to that, that whole, uh, enlightenment thing, I yes. think. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes uh, a lot more poignant, uh, in the film. Yeah, it does. It does. And it eventually becomes, uh, emotional. I think it's very cold to begin. Uh, mm. but eventually as it goes along, it becomes much more kind of emotional as he kind of makes his, these moments into enlightenment. It's not as warm as Fellini is a very apropos comparison, but Fellini's stuff always feels very warm, warm. And yeah, definitely. And, and very motherly and very but, safe. Well, because, that's a, because that's a cultural truth, thing too. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. truth, Italy the truth I think here, the truth I think here doesn't really necessarily, uh, well, it does kind of set you free, but at the same time, it really kind of doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know. Todd, you got anything you want to add to this? Uh, uh, Will, Will are you things. done? Are you done, Will? I don't know. Oh, I am done. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm stepping away. I, I have, as you guys can imagine, a lot more notes. Yeah. I will step away. I just want to say, finally, the shot with the sun and the fog and the elephants, stunning, stunning, stunning. Yeah. That's the, oh, yeah. yeah those yeah, elephants yeah. come out of nowhere. That is very Joe Dwarski. It's Dance of That's Reality, very, by the way. Dance of Reality. Dance of Reality. That's the dance movie. of Reality. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking Parade, but yeah, Dance ne- makes more sense. Never saw Endless Poetry. Uh, That's the other one. Uh, we, I, we never uh, I did. It. Oh, you did? It's uh, it's a lot like it's a lot like uh, dance yeah. of reality. Well, I know the same female leads in it, so I need to get on that. You know what I'm saying? It, it's basically a continuation. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's a continuation of it. So Will knows what I'm talking. Uh, about. I'm picking oh, up. What you yeah. put down. Do it, do it, do it. No, don't. That's a ten four, good buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I just shook hands with my chimpanzee as I said ten four on the radio. Yikes! <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> ook ook. Uh, okay, so yeah. Uh, first of all, you know, speaking of like muffins and cupcakes and that, I don't know that I'd go trust in the cake in that restaurant. In oh, the man. I don't that know he, about that. He either, yeah. Scoops out. Yeah, I had uh, I had a moment there. There's too many cobwebs. Too many cobwebs around the sweetness there. Yeah. Right. Ugh. Um, yeah. yeah. Cobwebs thing- get on food easy, man. Cobwebs are sticky. <laughs> yeah, they are. Don't ask me how I know um, this stuff. I don't know how I know this stuff. <laughs> Uh, sorry, Todd. That's no, all right. Uh, so uh, the other thing is, I don't know that I'd want to watch my uh, my dad give himself an enema. Um, he's very nice. Yeah, I think I'd be okay if he was as nonchalant about it as this guy is, because he's pretty nonchalant. He's really casual about yeah, it. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, there's no celebration of the enema. It's just like, oh, I think that guy just gave himself an enema. I think George Eastman would be a little more celebratory about uh, oh, this. No doubt. Proves. No doubt. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, the, there's the the scene in the scene in the steamboat. Uh, I thought was really something. Uh, it's mm-hmm. it was really really creepy. Uh, it's getting a bit more directly to the film's themes with the, you know all these bad actors in history, uh, and the proprietors coming up the truth uh, with the stories uh, that he's he's telling to the uh, the Yosef character. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great scene, man. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. And how and how history is dictated by those who tell it, right? Like mm-hmm. the the by truth the of history by the victors, precisely. Um, but yeah, I mean, the movie is, uh, you know, it's, it's political and personal, it's philosophical, it's absurd. It's difficult to talk about in pieces because of how much is going on in any given scene, yeah. uh, and how fast it changes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's also, also, it's phallic and, uh, motherly at the same time too. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not, not to sound and, above myself, but that's, uh, <laughs> it's there. <laughs> Uh, and you know, uh, because this thing is trying to encompass all of life in the world, um, uh, basically, and it all boils down, I think, to, uh, perception, perception and how this changes in us, uh, over time. Yeah. Um, like I said before, so, uh, you know, our guilt, uh, and the stories we, we, uh, we 
tell ourselves uh, to make it better is a, a big thing going on in here. It's it's weird because for how for how warm it is and for how sentimental it is, uh, for how for how much it is those things, it also is really kind of um, pessimistic about it all. Because mm-hmm. uh, like I said, it's, you know, you know, once you learn the truth, you can't unlearn it. Yeah. Uh, and I also, think that that's a big thing uh, of what this film is getting at. Yeah. That's probably uh, more that cultural stuff too that Will was talking about. Is- yeah, yeah, but it, it's interesting to me because of because of how I don't want to use the word grandiose, but like widespread that sort of a, a thing is. Uh, the the film the, the this film takes it from a personal perspective, uh, so it, it's kind of weird in that in that sort of way. I don't know if that makes sense, but uh, yeah. but then again, I mean, this is the kind of film where where you know it doesn't necessarily need to make sense, yeah. uh, uh, even though it it does make a certain kind of sense. But I wound up liking this thing a lot. Now, I mean, obviously, it looks outstanding production wise, cinematographically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's fantastic to to look at. Yeah. Uh, I had never seen it before. First time watch for me. Uh, I'm glad I caught it. Um, it is it is a bit uh, it's dense uh, and it does you do tend to feel the length uh, yeah. on this thing. Yeah, it's plotting a little uh, bit too. It's the density yeah, in that plotting. Because well, and- once it starts once it starts to loop back around and start to go like start to line up its little uh, sort of subplots, uh, then it starts to it starts to kind of uh, lose a bit of uh, its footing. Uh, yeah. a, a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah. overall, still, it's 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 an impressive feat. So, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with both of you. The production design on this is amazing. Uh, the visuals are amazing, and I never really lost track of the story. I just I felt like you know eventually we were starting to revisit things, and yeah, it was getting yeah. to be a little bit too much. And uh, I like the way it kind of plays with time. Uh, the way it kind of plays with perception. It's one of the things that cinema can do really well. Uh, Ken Russell did it really well. Uh, Kubrick did it well. A lot of people did it very well. It's just one of the things cinema can really do that, you know, it doesn't always have to be a beginning, middle, and end. Sometimes it can just be the end, or sometimes it can just be a long beginning. Uh, Storytelling is what you make of it. So um, I do think it's interesting, and I I do like your point, Todd, where you said, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes there's a lot of stuff is about the stories we tell ourselves. Right, yes. psychologically, we as uh, human yes. beings, we have to tell ourselves stories uh, because it's how we process information. Some things are just too horrific to think about, so we tell ourselves stories about them, or we create stories around them um, to get through. And some things are so wonderful that we create stories. I'm not going to say it's all horror. Sometimes it's great too, but we do all we do, or we are all quote unquote guilty of telling ourselves stories to kind of get through it all. Um, and it's a human condition. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, and as you say, just to piggyback on what you said earlier, and sometimes that's by design, and other times it's unintentional, and yep. it's our perception of truth at a certain age based on what we're aware of and what we know, yeah, and how we're able to process things, right? Yeah, because I'm always like fascinated by the Stephen Hawking thing that you know time is a human construct. Time doesn't actually really exist. We've created time, uh, and when you think well, about to organize our lives, yeah. yeah, yeah. When you think about that, it blows your mind. Think if you just think about it for a minute the time is a construct we have created. It'll blow your mind because you're like, okay, well, that means if it's something we created, we've created life and death. We've created all these things around time that we, I mean, time is something we all deal with every day or lack thereof. And and me and Will joke around sometimes. Uh, But it's something we deal with all the time, but it's a total human construct. Like we've created that thing that kind of makes us who we are. 
And it's it's very it, it when I I remember when I first started reading Hawking and stuff and I read that I remember thinking to myself, this this just blows everything I've ever thought growing up out of the water, you know that you know the time as a human construct just kind of blows everything up because it kind of just you know it, it's there for us as a roadmap right, mm-hmm. but it's it actually has no bearing on anything we do but we we it's a story we tell ourselves. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's very it, it just it'll blow your mind when you think about that, and I always think about it. Uh, I think about it daily, pretty much. Like you know, I know I got to be at a movie theater today at, by noon, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, who created this noon shit? You know, <laughs> why do I got to be there at noon? I want to go there when well, I want to go. It is there. when I get to have lunch. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, I, I think about lunch. I probably think about lunch more than I think about time. Uh, uh, yeah, especially the older I get. Uh, I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I think we've kind of pontificated on this one quite a bit. I will say that this film is as much of value to the experience as it is to the film itself. I mean, I don't know about entertainment, but it's certainly uh, an experience that you, you won't forget if you can sit down and watch it in one setting, which I was thankful enough I got to do. Uh, that doesn't always happen for me. So um, I got to watch this in the straight two hours or whatever it is. And uh, that that really helps, I think, in a story like this, and in a film made like this. I think this one would grow on me over time, kind of similar to like Akari X11 and some of these other Czech films we've watched over the years. They've kind of grown on me. Uh, like I haven't forgotten. There's certain things in that Akari film we watched that I haven't forgotten still since we reviewed it. Yeah. So there's yeah, yeah. just some things that kind of etch into your brain visually. Um, so I think you know Eastern European filmmakers they they tend to have that capability um in some ways more so than most countries i can think of but i mean every country has it but there's certain imagery from this era and this this kind of area of filmmaking that have really kind of you know branded themselves on my brain uh and this one this one uh this one has moments that will forever be in my brain no doubt um yeah let's get into make or breaks MVTs. I want to see. <laughs> I want to see where you guys go with the make or break on this. The MVT, I can see one or the other, but the make or break. And there's a lot of scenes in this. Man, yeah. Um, I, I'm just gonna go with the scene with the bird people. I think it gives us a good indication of how right. quickly things change. Where the, the camera pulls up, and in a blink of an eye, we're in this really bizarre feverish the, the the lens changes everything changes perspective everything changes in a moment and it's a, certainly reflective of of life but also just cinematically it's very strong mm-hmm. uh mvt no surprise uh haas haas yeah haas jam du haas. it's a haas yeah, jam he, the haas jam man <laughs> brings the thunder so yeah just what a what a feat uh, you guys can guess my score on this. Five out of ten. No, I can't even bullshit that for more than a second. I'm going to go 8.75. This is a nice. tremendous, tremendous, tremendous film for me. It's always stuck with me since I saw it. I was so happy we got to cover it on the show because I feel like there's so much to chew on. And I think we all kind of curbed some of the dialogue we could have had because we could talk in circles. This really is a rabbit hole film, as you guys had said. It's it's a feverish Polish uh, Alice in Wonderland in, in a way, right? So yeah. Alex in go. Wonderland, yeah, yeah, Alex, yeah. <laughs> Totter. All right, uh, make or break for me. I'm going to go with the first wax museum scene. Ooh, so um, yeah. yeah, it it, uh, it felt to me like that was the first step into a fantasy, not necessarily based on Joseph's life. 
Um, it's back-to-back weeks with weird mannequins. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. NBC, uh, I'm going to go with the visuals, although I guess by extension you could say Haas from that, because uh, this thing is absolutely a feast. Do, uh, it's do glorious to look at. Do, do Haas. Niche. Uh, so... <laughs> The score for me is going to be, uh, I'm going to say seven out of 10. Um, I, yeah, I did really, really like this thing. Uh, but the problem for me is in the pacing. Uh, like I said, once it starts to loop back around, uh, and, uh, start to kind of repeat itself, it did kind of lost momentum for me. Mm. Uh, and with the length of the film, it just kind of dragged it out a little bit. Yeah. That's not to say that there isn't – I mean, it's still great to look at, um, but it does become a whole lot of felt samey uh, and a little bit too samey for me. Uh, and if I had any real disagreement with the film, that would be it. So that's all nice. I got. All Very right. nice. Uh, my MVT is also the Haas. It's a Haas jump. Uh, this is a good Haas jump. Uh, <laughs> burning down the Haas. Yeah, burning. That's it. <laughs> this Haas is on fire. Uh, we'll go uh, make or break for me I really like the scene where he's uh, speaking with the Adele character for the first time and they're kind of talking and uh, it's not just the nudity I find interesting although I do find that very interesting as well but I do I, I like that it, it feels like a very adolescent scene and it feels very much like that curiosity uh, there's a lot of them though man the mannequin scene's really good The uh, which a lot of those mannequins are real people I think with just some like uh, glistening makeup on but that, that, good, yeah. it's off telling. It's kind of off putting. I like that. You know, off telling. Off putting, I mean, off telling. I don't know what the fuck that is. Anyway, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm the meat to your guy's sandwich, man. I'm right in the middle here. Um, I don't know if I planned on saying that or not, but it sounded good. Uh, I'm an eight out of 10. I'm like right in the middle. Nice. I, I, I like it a lot. Um, I, I both see Todd's point, uh, and then I see Will's points as well. And I, I have to believe that Will at 8.75, I have to believe that because you've seen it twice. I wonder. If if I had seen this the second time, I wonder would have played different for me, and I might go up. It seems like the kind of movie that would. So I was a touch lower. I was, I, if I remember, memory doesn't always serve, but I was around an eight point two five or yeah. something. I mean, not to say it's going to keep going up, but I don't know. I, you know what it is too. I had said to my kids, Frank, said to them, frankly, guys, I said. Dad doesn't get to watch a lot of stuff like this anymore. So it was a really welcome. It's like having a dessert if you haven't had one in a while and you're really hungry. Yeah. I hadn't got a chance to watch any kind of far out stuff that that appeals to my cinematic sensibilities. I was not to say I don't love um, Jingle All the Way or watching, sure. you know, some of the fun stuff we've shown our kids like sure, uh, sure. Tango and Cash or whatever. But I, I don't get a chance to dig into this stuff as much as I'd like anymore. So it was a welcome yeah. relief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, that's our thoughts on Hourglass Sanatorium. I want to thank Tom for uh, picking it for us. Uh, 46-year-old movie. Go with the uh, 46-year-old me and 46-year-old totter. <laughs> nice. Just dropping, Fine wine, baby. Dropping at age. We're all in our 40s now. Will's joined the club. Yeah, fucking yeah. in the club finally. Yeah. Welcome aboard. The brand muffins <laughs> are on the right. Yeah, I love brand. I love a good brand muffin. The Metamucil's on the left. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I do love a good brand muffin. Uh, again, we go back to muffins. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk Shoot 'em Up uh, from 2007. We'll be back right after this.
All right, we are back. That's a catchy little number. Is that the Pearl Jams? That is the Pearl Jams, uh, by way of Soundgarden oh, and Temple the Dog. I, thought, I was going to say that it was the Soundgardens. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Alice in the Chains. You ever hear of them, yes. boys? The, the Alice's Alice Chains. Yes. The Alice's Chain Restaurant. Yeah, the Jane's Addicts. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly uh, no arguing uh, that album changed music. Uh, 1991. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just telling my nephew that. They were coming record shopping yesterday, and that album was uh, up in the record store. I said, do you know them? Yeah. No, I said. Oh, I said when I was about your age, yeah. a little bit older than you, I said they uh, yeah. had a big impact. They hit, hit the scene and pretty much wiped out a genre of music in like uh, I don't know a week or so. Uh, up yeah. until that point, and I'm sure Todd remembers because uh, you know oh, we're yeah. both of the same generation, and not only that, we both tend to listen to the same type of music. I mean, it it wiped out. Like I mean, hair metal just immediately got. Like, Oof. I mean, it was it was brutal. <laughs> Would, can we say that they were the asteroid that ended the dinosaur age, man? Like, yeah, yeah, they boom, did. They did. In a blink, they did, and it just it was just a moment. Is you know that happens in music, it happens all the time. It'll happen again. So, but that was the mm-hmm. uh, the kind of hard rock version of that. Uh, I'm sure it happened in hip hop, and I'm sure it's happened in every type of genre of music. But yeah, there's always some somebody that comes along. That. Yeah, it changes yeah. things. Uh, for, for better, better or worse. Or worse, that's right. You read my mind. I was going to say that. For better or worse, to each throne. Uh, I happen to like that album. It's overplayed in my life, and I of don't course. listen to it. Yeah. I hardly, that's not. That's probably the first time, this movie and listening to it, that's probably the first time I've listened to that song in, Jesus, 15 years. Like, that's yeah, something I would I think, skip. Yeah, sounds about right. We shouldn't penalize the artist for the oversaturation, though. No, we cannot. We have to penalize ourselves for that. <laughs> yes, we cat of nine tails time. <laughs> yes, that's right. On the buttocks. Ooh, right on that boil. Uh, ooh, 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 that would hurt so fucking bad. <laughs> Yikes. I should uh, say, I, I don't have any boils on my ass, but I can imagine I, that would hurt. Well, never speak too soon. You might have that in some point in, at some point in hey, life. They, they come along. I'm yeah. touching wood. Yeah. Jeez. Well, in more ways than one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that boil fetish. Ooh. Uh, Hopefully not on your wood. Oh man. Oh, on a tip. Oh, just, just that's tip. something to get looked at. That pleblum, uh, pleblis, pleblum, or whatever it's called. I don't know what the tip's called. It's called something scientifically. Yep. <laughs> don't don't Google it. Uh, <laughs> if there's any kids, uh. in class, don't Google it. Right. We, I love it. Uh, true to form, we opened last review talking about baked goods. This one talking about boils on the tip of our dicks. Well, again, <laughs> amazing. I apologize to my children. Uh, dad, dad loves you. Trust me. Uh, a lot of times, it just it's fun to be immature. You'll see. It, you will see. Uh, yeah, every day. It helps uh, get through the the uh, the pablum of life sometimes. Yes. Uh, shoot 'em up, 2007. This is picked by Gary Hill, correct? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Want to make sure I get the name right. Our man Gary. Our man Gary Gare Bear. Our man Gare Bear. Bear. The Gare Bear. Gare Bear thereby. He's a, he's a bear of a man. That Gare. Uh, yes. Um, uh, this is uh, from 19 or 19. Jesus, 2007. Directed by Michael Davis. Written by Michael Davis. Uh, a man named Mr. Smith delivers a woman's baby during a shootout and is then called upon to protect the newborn from the army of gunmen. And that's a pretty basic plot synopsis because this movie really is that. It immediately uh, there's a baby born during a shootout. Um, and that's not the most ridiculous thing that happens. Uh, probably the carrot impalement scene is probably a little bit more ridiculous. So you kind of know what you're in for right away with this one. Uh, like I said, directed by Michael Davis, who had made a bit of a buzzworthy film before this, uh, Monster Man, I believe it was called. 
Uh, I believe I had seen that maybe in the history of doing the show, and maybe it said something back before we started doing the "What We've Been Watching" segment, which is hard to believe. We used to open the show without that. Um, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. Uh, who wants to lead on this? Anybody? Uh, anybody? Me, me, me. <laughs> oh, there we go. You don't want to defer uh, to us, Sammy, there, buddy. No. Uh, <laughs> yep. So, yeah, we're doing Joker, right? Yes, that's right. 2019. Obviously. <laughs> 2019, directed by Todd Phillips. Phillips, Jim. Again, as long as he makes a Serpentor film, like the Joker Man, film. Bring it on. <laughs> Is that the talk? <laughs> I don't know. I wish, no. I wish. I wish there was. I wish there was a GI Joe film set in reality like that. That would be amazing. How but, the- <laughs> but this, the same dude who voiced the Cobra Commander <laughs> under the hood has yeah. to voice yes. Cobra Commander. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think he passed on that guy. They got to somehow cobble it, it together digitally or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah, they yeah. could. There's just there's hours of Cobra Commander out there. Hours. Deathstroke. Deathstroke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys prefer cloak or face shield or whatever it is? Uh, uh, cloak. Why did we say Deathstroke? I think we meant Destro, right? Destro, yeah. Destro, yeah. I said Destro. Heavy, heavy S and M vibe with him in the Baroness. <laughs> heavy. Oh yeah. Heavy. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah, it made your blood in that fake fucking arm. <laughs> All right, yeah. let's get into it then. Just All right. <laughs> All right. That's <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay. So what did you th- what did you think of Mark Marin and Joker? No, so sorry. Uh, I thought that he is uh, pretty much uh, non-existent. So. He is he is non-existent in the movie. He's basically there with. I remember listening to his podcast and he was talking about working with De Niro, and I'm like, he has that one scene. <laughs> yeah, it. I know. But it makes me think a lot of stuff was cut. Probably a lot of stuff was probably. Cut. Uh there's a good possibility of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, okay. So shoot 'em up starts. Uh, it's a very Leone esque opening. Uh, the extreme close-up, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's subverted immediately by the carrot, uh, which will show up again uh, in short order, yes. obviously. Um, the carrot plays and, a very prominent role in the movie. Yes, it does. Uh, it's good for your eyesight. Uh, Owen is basically the man with no name. Uh, he's yes. the reluctant ass kicker. Um, and the movie wastes absolutely no time because there's essentially no plot. Uh, it is exactly what the title says. Um it uh, yeah, it jumps in and there's a shoot 'em up, and it continues to be a shoot 'em up for the entirety of the movie. Uh, the baby's born, um, certain things happen. Owen winds up taking ownership of the child to figure out what's going on. It gets uh, a bit towards the ridiculous side, and uh, I mean, it this thing, it is exactly what uh, what's advertised on the tin, right? Yeah, uh, it's extremely self conscious. Uh, as far as uh, as far as style goes, it's extremely, you know, hip, and I'm putting that in quotes. You know, note the soundtrack, right? Well, it's it's hip for 2007. Well, well that's what. Yeah, that, that's yeah. kind of the problem with being hip. That's why I'm putting it that's, in quotes. Yeah, um, yeah. What is it they say? It's fashionable or it's stylish. It's not fashionable, or is it's, it the opposite? It's uh, fashion, not function. It's hip to so, be. Yeah, it's well, hip to be too. square, guys. It's hip to be square. That's when you know. Oh, it sure is. Lewis, yeah. So, so, uh, so for fun's <laughs> trivia's sake, uh, the guy that did the voice for Cobra Commander is actually in Roadhouse. So there we go. Come on, really? <laughs> yeah, he played a character known as Sharing Husband. I believe there was a Sharing Husband. Isn't there a scene where like a guy kind of gave his wife up, for, offers his wife up, yeah, I to Dalton, so. or somebody. So anyway. there it is. <laughs> Get off the table. <laughs> 
I got to so, see what it looks like now. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the movie is extremely stylized. I mean, all you got to do is look at uh, not only the visuals, but uh, like stuff like Paul Giamatti's uh, performance, um, which, I mean, let's talk about that for a second. He's very... He's very leering. He's very, um, you know, thinks he's too cute uh, with his dialogue. And it just, it comes off a bit uh, clunky uh, in a lot of ways, even yeah. though the character himself is is quite capable in the profession that he's chosen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's uh, so, fine in the movie. It feels like his dialogue is written to make him a... Uh, a cult character in a lot of ways. Yes, exactly. Well, that's what that's what I that's why you know that's what I go back to with you know it being self conscious and hip and stylized. I mean, this thing owes everything uh, to Hong Kong cinema and Sin City, uh, and a bit to Tarantino. Yes. Oh God! Because well, yeah, I don't think because I don't think these things are 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 mutually exclusive. Yeah. No, of course you get that that quilt of Tarantino, Hong Kong, Rodriguez, yeah. Leone, John uh, Warner Brothers cartoons. Yeah. Well, which, I mean, this thing. Yeah. I mean, if you if you really wanted to to know what this movie is, I mean, it's sort of the ending to Hard Boiled for ninety minutes or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It's basically what the movie is. Yeah. And they even um, nod to the baby. Exactly. Course. Exactly. Right. Um. There is a CG so, so the question we have to ask ourselves is: Is the Mandalorian a nod to shoot 'em up? Yes, it is. <laughs> yes. Unequivocally, yes, a hundred percent. And to the Joker, baby Yoda. Um, oh, they have a core. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's never going to get old. It's it, never going to die. Anyway. No, it's not. Um, it's it's going to be around for a couple of years. It's old it's already, gonna, but yeah. it's, it's not going to die. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there is there is CG blood in this, which always sucks. Um, but, but I'll say this: I. Th- feel like for the time it works pretty good the cg blood works pretty well and there is some squibs too like there's some proper there are squibs. there are there are there are and that's kind of where the balance the balance kind of comes out on that mm-hmm. um one of the great things here is obviously you get to ogle monica bellucci uh and she yeah. does yeah she does wet tit tricks so um you know <laughs> that, hey uh, that sunday right todd that sunday todd favorite the wet tit trick yeah uh, not necessarily, but you know, a little scrapple. I'll, I'll, little take, I'll take the I'll take the word in the middle of that. Uh, um, oh man! So yeah, I mean, you get you get Giamatti groping a dead woman's boob, uh, which is pretty gross. What but, does he say? Nice set or nice rack or something? Uh, nice uh, I think it was nice gross. knockers or yeah, something. Nice yeah. That's one of my favorite um, moments when he walks past and he goes, "Nice knockers." And <laughs> well, he, that, uh, that is a great. There was no tit for tat. Yeah. You guys are good. Yeah. Now Giamatti's got a certain <laughs> delivery that makes him very Giamatti, right? So, mm-hmm. what has happened to Paul Giamatti? He's kind of disappeared lately. Uh, I don't know what he's been doing lately. Yeah. I honestly don't. I yeah. love I love Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he's a fantastic. Well, so do guy. I. Fantastic actor. I'm gonna look at his filmography and see what he's been up to. I just haven't seen him any. I'm, I'm sure he's doing stuff. I just haven't seen him in anything lately. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think, Sammy, I'm gonna ask that you do any chiming in in the Giamatti voice from here on. <laughs> oh, t- Todd, he did that. Uh, I think we're alone now. That mean you both liked. He did that movie. What's that? That's the uh, Peter Dinklage uh, post-apocalyptic thing. Wow, how I've been on. Under a rock, oh yeah, really. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did that. We 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 totally forgot about that, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. That was just last year. No, that year. was a good one. That was just last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Looks yeah. like he's got some stuff going on. The Jungle Cruise, which I think is a uh, yeah, that's a Disney. That's a rock. Uh, thing with Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson. So yeah. we can imagine. Yeah, we can imagine. Oh, what he's going to be cast in that one. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I can't. We're uh, going on a jungle cruise. Yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't do the screaming Paul Giamatti because my kids are still asleep. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> doing, so, anyways, uh, doing a movie Monica called Blue Gunpowder Milkshake. Ooh, that's a good, that's a good title. Gun that's actually a good name for a band. Yeah, it is. I don't know who. Uh, this is directed by a director named Navat Papushado. Come is, on, which is a fun name to say. Navat it is. Navat Papushado. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, I wonder if this is an Indian it's film or something. Hollywood. Yeah, I wonder if this is maybe no. That's it's got Lena Headey in it. It's got Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Hey, Carla Gugino. Ooh, yeah, it's got some people in it. Wait, did you say Carla Carla Gugino? Yeah. I'm liking this cast. A you secret, had me at Carla. A secret yeah, sisterhood. You had me at Michelle. Yeah, a secret sisterhood comes to the rescue of a mother daughter assassin team. Hmm. That sounds like a bit of a John Wicky. Yeah, it sounds like which, which well, I was about to say, which Braden, my son, one of the apples of my eye, said, "Dad, this really seems like John Wick." Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so I've never still I own all three John Wick movies. Yeah, and, and I've never watched them. Um, <laughs> They're fun. Which, which is totally is totally a Sammy thing to do. I, I tend to you know if something's like under ten bucks and I see it and I think it might be something I'd be interested in, I buy it. That's just the way I am. Yeah. yeah. And the Wick movies yeah. just always are on sale at some point, especially around Christmas time. So <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'll buy them. Eventually, I'll watch them. Uh, and I've heard good things. I just haven't watched them yet. So, uh, but that's the vibe I got, even without seeing a John Wick film. That this, the John Wick, I wouldn't say is inspired by shoot 'em ups, certainly. But John, no, Wick's, there are similarities. Yeah, but John, John Wick, John Wick takes it, John Wick takes its joy more from the technicality of it, right? So Whereas that, shoot 'em up is so more so. about energy. So there's this era of filmmaking that we've all grown up in, all three of us, of the John Woo school, the uh, Hong Kong action movie, these kind of balletic gun ba- the gun ballets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the there's there's a fifteen or twenty years of this stuff and it's still continuing. I guess the John I haven't seen the John Wick movies. I'm gonna assume there's some slow motion. I know there's some gun ballet in there. Um they're good looking films though. Yeah. So I would assume, you know, this this is that era of the gun as a prop. Um almost like a dance prop. Almost like uh, Gene Kelly dancing with a with a or Fred Astaire dancing with a hat rack. Mm-hmm. Uh this is the this film is very infused by that era, right? And uh, we're still kind of in it. Uh, we're not completely out of it yet, but we're still kind of in it uh, with the John Wick movies, I guess. So, and sh- I mean, I wouldn't compare this to John Wick because I haven't seen John Wick. And obviously, from listening to you guys, it doesn't sound like it compares to John Wick. But I can see where the comparison could be made because as I was watching this, I was thinking of John Wick. Well, yeah, yes. no, it, it compares in its cartoony aspects, mm-hmm. and and yeah. the, and the cartoony aspects in this one are certainly ramped up. So, you know, you, you can imagine how it would put off a certain viewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as can some of the the nastier elements, and this does have some pretty nasty elements in it. Yeah, it does. Um, it's rated R, right? Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, it's 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 almost it's almost like um, like a ten year old uh, saying "fuck." For the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, or it's almost in, like in Michael. Sort of it's almost like Michael Davis saw the brothel from Hostel. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, yeah, and and obviously none of this is really helped by the dialogue, which is exclusively quips. Like yeah. almost everything that gets said is a quip. It's not yeah. really dialogue yeah. uh, to move any side of plot along, because, like I said, there is no real plot to this movie. There's not. No. Um. So 
that being said, uh, I think a lot of this is very stylishly handled. Uh, it's energetic as all hell. Uh, in fact, it, uh, it it just about never pauses, right? Um, and for those aspects, uh, it's it's you know it's very well handled um, for the uh, the uh, the action scenes, which I mean, this thing is a giant action scene. Uh, you just kind of need to forgive it a lot, uh, and I mean a lot, um, mm. because it is so so aware so self-aware so self-conscious so um kind of uh overtly trying to be hip uh you kind of if you if you're going to get enjoyment out of the film you need to you need to kind of just kind of roll with the punches on that thing so we we kind of talked about this a little bit in the pre-show that we don't record but we kind of talk when we we kind of talk to each other a little bit and sometimes this happens during the week before we review films but this one this one is it's safe to say is an assault on the senses, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't. Uh for me personally. Uh we 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 all three compared this somewhat to Neville Dean and Taylor and kind of their assault yeah. on the senses. Um I would say the one thing that this one is lacking compared to the Neville Dean and Taylor stuff is kind of a personal authorship or a a stylistic touch. I don't really feel I this one's got a lot of style, but I don't, and I, I said this to you, Todd, especially in the message, the scenes feel fractured from scene to the next. They don't ever really, the geography of the action doesn't always feel as connected as I want it. So, yeah, you're, I get you. You're saying more, like Neville Dean and Taylor, well, we wouldn't call them auteurs. There's more of a sense of auteur with them Certainly. and originality, yeah. whereas this just feels more like a mixtape. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it feels, well, I think mixtape is good is a good uh, mixtape. Yeah, it. and yeah. it can be a good thing. It feels like what it feels like is Michael Davis had a chance to make an action movie. He was given carte blanche in a way, maybe not completely, but certainly some because he wrote and directed this. Mm-hmm. And it was like he had all these great moments from all these movies that maybe he had been working on. He decided to throw everything into one movie because there is a whole bunch of insane set pieces here. It's very much of the of the crank or the. Uh, uh, that's an Neville Dean Taylor film, but I'm trying to think of other action movies of this era. Sin City is a good example in some ways, even though yeah. I think it I think it deals more with noir and kind of it has dirt it has low points. This one doesn't have very many low points. It's almost all no. It's very propulsive. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's almost very adrenaline based the whole time, and I think that can be a mixed bag for folks. Certainly for me, I've seen this film twice now. Uh, once in the history of the show, I believe. Yeah, I believe I watched it in the like back when we began. And now this time, and I still have a really hard time uh, uh, grasping onto it for some reason. There's just something about it, and it's not against the actors. I love every actor that's in it, even the character actors. I mean, hell, Stephen McCaddy's in this. I mean, you know, it, yeah. Anytime you see, anytime I see him, I get excited. Um, but there's just some disconnection I feel with this movie. And I have a hard time explaining that in words. So I'm hoping through the process of this review I'll be able to figure out something. But uh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I had a hard time again the second time around. And I, and I was game for it this time. This time I was like, you know what? I'm going in. I know I've seen it before and I didn't really care for it. I'm going to go in for it. I'm going to be open. And, I, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes I was like, I'm down. I'm down. Fingerprint on the gun. Cool. Uh, nice knockers. The, that line. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm, tit for tat. <laughs> yeah, tit for tat. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with all this. I'm, 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 I'm buying into the Giamatti performance. I'm buying into the Leone-esque uh, carrot thing. I'm buying into all of it. And still, by the time that first action scene is over, 
I started to fall off and discontinued to fall off for the next 60, 70 minutes. I don't, I don't know what it is. I, it just it doesn't make sense. It's got everything I love, you know, black leather sure. jackets, gunfire. Uh, you know, it's also we should say it's very infused by the Matrix as well. I mean, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. That was one of my final notes. Was this feels very Wachowski? Yeah, it does. And uh, there's some of that as well. But I don't know. I don't. I don't. It, it's not that I didn't like the characters because I like the scenes between Owen and Bellucci. I like the audacity of a lovemaking scene during a shootout. It's it's absolutely yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah. I like the audacity of it. Well, the, the thing the thing about that whole that whole sequence there is that right before that you get you know Bellucci gets an actual emotional moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they follow it up with the sex scene, which just turns silly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really silly, right? Like, oh yeah. I mean, the more the more people he kills, the quicker she gets to orgasm. I mean, it's it's really, and I don't mean this as a personal insult to the filmmakers, to Gary, or to anybody that likes it. It's a very masculine male fantasy s scene sure. and 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 not in a negative way. it's just oh. it's very much and maybe that's a comment that Davis is trying to make the ridiculousness of action movies maybe it is, but it it's so ridiculous it almost takes me out of the movie so well, that and a couple other things the baby on the spinny spin thing and yeah 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 there's just all kinds well of stuff. he he loves he loves heavy metal you should like that I do like the soundtrack to the movie. Uh, even though it is hip, I agree for the time period. Uh, I did enjoy the soundtrack, of the movie. I, I want to say I enjoy the loudness of the movie. Uh, the movie is incredibly loud. I mean, this thing, man, I had to turn it down so many times because my son was in the other room on the other side of the house. Like, Dad, you turned down. I mean, <laughs> he's got to think I'm watching, you know, a real war happening. There's so many gunshots going. What this oh, yeah. reminds me of somewhat, even though I have some more attachment to this film I'm about to mention, see if this reminds, does this remind you guys at all of the replacement killers? Yeah. Well, uh, child, I like this more. You like this more? I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm much more, I, I'm much more replacement killer. Uh, well, but that's what I'm, that's what I, you know, that's, that's what I was I think because replacement about killer earlier is, is because this thing, because this thing is so indebted to so much else as was the replacement killer. Sure, sure. Um, it's so heavy on that, that it just, it doesn't, it doesn't want, it doesn't, it either never gets to, or never chooses to be its own thing. Uh So it is just, it it is, it is one note repeated for 90 minutes and it's a fun note. Okay. Uh, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. I, I found myself able to, um, Kind of forgive it. It's uh, it's it's excesses. Yeah. It's well, you I don't right. want to say excesses because the whole thing is excess. Well, yeah, but you were um, able to connect, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I I was willing to forgive it. Some of its its uh, its more crappy uh, elements. I think some that's of why more self consciously. I think that's why I have so much trouble with it because it has everything that I connect with in it, and I don't know why I couldn't connect. So. I, I, there's know. a di- yeah. There's this disjointed in spite of liking all the ingredients. Well, maybe, like maybe a, because it, maybe it's winking a little bit too hard at you. Well, it, and it's trying to let you know that it's winking too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, well, me, it, it's nudging you in the ribs. While I, don't, I don't know. I, right. I, right. I, I, I struggle with that too, though, because I do like wink, wink films. Maybe even more so than you guys do sometimes. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. This this one, out of a lot of films we reviewed on the history of this show, this one I struggle with. It's it's up there. It's like top five with my struggles. With Come it. on, yeah, really? It is because I feel <laughs> we've, like we've covered Vegas vampires. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I mean I know where I stand on that stuff, but and and <laughs> yeah, for true, the true, true. for the record, I, I Zoo Zero I liked more than you did. 
Oh man, and that that is such a Will film, and I fucking hated it. Yeah. And I think I remember Brian was on the show. I think that I think he hated it too. And I think I'm the only one that liked it. But this one, I, I don't know. I guess it's just those elements. Uh, you know, it feels it's one of those situations where. I believe there were still video stores in 2007. I walk into a video store. I see shoot 'em up. I'm like, oh, this this has got me written all over it. I pick it up. I take it home, and I'm let down. And I'm like, why am I let down? It's got Clive Owen, Monica Bellucci, Paul Giamatti, all actors I liked at that point, yep. and who all put in very solid performances considering yeah. the material. Like, and no the, one mails it in. They're all game. Yeah, and the action is competent. There's no <clears> doubt about that. Something about the filmmaking, though. Uh, is like it's like spoiled milk for me. It just, well, maybe that's too harsh. Because spoiled milk, there's no redemption to spoiled milk. But it's, <laughs> maybe it's like maybe it's like cottage cheese. It's something I can have sometimes, but sometimes I'm repulsed by it. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, yeah. So maybe I it's more like, like cottage cheese instead of spoiled milk. You don't like same. cottage cheese? I love cottage cheese. I eat it plain. I love it. Low yeah. fat, high protein, bruh. Yeah. Ugh. Super. So good. Super farts, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, them cottage cheese farts. Them clabbered milk farts. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sorry. It's like I'm that sorry. Go Dina ahead. Turner song, man. Steamy windows. That's right. <laughs> Coming from the clabbered milk farts. That's right. Oof. <laughs> as long as it's not seeping out, you know, as long as that clabbered, you know. No. Ooh. Still toyed like yeah. a toy girl. <laughs> Go ahead. Man. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. So, um, uh... <laughs> All the goons in this thing dress exactly the same, like a bunch of Batman henchmen, or like Russian, like like Russian nineties Euro trash. Euro trash. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of, I love that Dario Argento is one of the uh, Giamatti's goons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every time I see that actor, I think of Dario Argento. How could oh, you I, not? I got to tell you, you keep talking. I'm gonna look up the name of the actor that he reminded me of. Uh, <laughs> there, there's actually one of my favorite moments in the movie is one of the commentaries on the ponytail that uh, Clive Owen has. That you know, he shoots the ponytail off of a guy actually. Yeah, because yeah, he, yeah. he hates ponytails so much. <laughs> well, he hates everything. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, except uh, there for, is except for a, babies, right? I mean, it, well, yeah, except for it's babies that lone wolf and cub, that uh, baby Yoda thing. We can say now it's it's mm-hmm. that thing that that attachment somebody gets to a child that you can't quite explain. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a <laughs> drop of really flimsy social commentary about guns and violence in America, oh, yeah. uh, which in this context is fairly absurd. Yeah, um, it's pretty absurd, but yeah. it's in there uh, just for its own sake. Uh, but you know, you summing it all up for me, for all of its stupidity, its ridiculousness, uh, I do like the movie, and I think uh, people who who like like John Wick and haven't seen this probably should. Um, and like I said before, I mean, it's nothing more or less than what's on the poster, yeah. uh, and it's entertaining enough. I don't, like I said, I, I'm willing to forgive it. It's uh, it's it's successes. It's it's more egregious uh, offenses, um, stuff that I normally wouldn't really care for. Uh, for some reason or another, I like it in here. Kind of like uh, kind of like Punisher Warzone, uh, in a way. Oh yeah. Um, you know that one was certainly uh, excessive. Is certainly much more. And I, uh, rooted and I, in, uh, and in I, comic books. Yeah, and I love that one. You yeah, do? I love it too. So, I love it too. I don't know. I don't, um, I don't know. That's what but again. this thing, but this thing, I, I, yeah, I can't figure out why why you would love that and not this because they're essentially I, the same movie. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, there's a sense but, of humor hey, to enough. war. There's a fair sense enough. of humor to war, war zone that I find more interesting. That's the, best. the yeah. The sense of humor in this one is not as it's not really up to snuff, yeah. and that's really uh, yeah. The humor I think is its biggest check mark yeah. mark against uh, black mark if you want. Um, 
but other than that, yeah, no, I dug this thing. So uh, that's all the notes I got. I kick it over to to one of you guys. So Emo Phillips in the house is a henchman. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, Sammy, do you want me to take over? Run sure. With this one? Sure. Yeah, All yeah. right, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I hadn't watched this since uh, DVD days. Uh, good on Gary. Um, we should say, too, as much as, you know, lots been said about uh, Clive Owen, who I really miss. We talked about this off the air. Clive Owen was, is one of my favorite actors of this era. And I feel like, what, what's happened to him? Did he rub some people the wrong way on sets was it like a uh, a val kilmer thing i never got that vibe from him he always seemed pretty down to earth i don't know what it is why he's fallen out of favor but definitely one of my favorite actors uh bellucci and of course giamatti we talked about strong principles you get um what's his name fellow canuck uh steven mccaddy yeah you know it, it's solid solid cast this is one of those ones where it's almost like a and I like this film a lot more than the film I'm going to mention, but it's almost like a Boondock Saints situation where guy got some buzz and got to make his, got to shoot his shot, no pun intended, and that's kind of it, right? It, this film cost a lot more than it made. It's usually a death sentence when you don't have a much of a track record behind it. And, you know, uh, Davis might have been sort of chewed up and spit out at that point uh, personally. Um, but, yeah, as much as Clive Owens Bugs Bunny, of course, that makes Giamatti Elmer Fudd in this. Um... I wondered going into this if I would feel fatigued, as I often felt with Neville Dean and Taylor films. And as I've gotten older, I do find that I do fatigue more easily in sort of the Michael Bay realm. My wife had put on that one, that new Ryan Speed and Ryan Reynolds, that Ryan Reynolds one, Six Underground. On Netflix. Six underground. Six underground. And within 10 minutes, I think I missed this on the air, actually. Yeah. Oh, I was so fatigued. And I was wondering if I'd be fatigued with this. And I was not fatigued watching this back. Hmm. Um, there is some things or there are some things that are, I had to kind of roll my eyes at like it, it's not as, it, it was too on the nose, right. For its own good. Like you guys said, it's, 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 it's winking at you and, and hitting you in the ribs right at the same time. And that, uh, that was a bit much or a bit overbearing, but, um, I do think that it's too bad that, um, he couldn't, the Davis, uh, I'm just stumbling around here to put the, the, uh, I was going to say the GGTMC, the IMDB, that Davis didn't do other stuff in the genre. Surely, you know, he could have, he's got a few enough tricks up his sleeve to have done some stuff with Adkins or Michael Jai White or, or someone. Um, you would have thought that it would have worked out well, but yeah. here we are, you know, I mean, I guess when you lose that kind of money, um, but uh, and also it feels very video game. I think that's one thing we hadn't mentioned is is the prevalence of video games in um, in society. It feels very much right. although like a, although it does not thankfully ever do first person shooter. Uh, thank like God. That hardcore hardcore Henry movie. The Russian film. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't or, like yeah. that. Doom, this feels very. I think Doom did, the same, Doom did the same thing. It went to a first. Doom. Yeah, yeah, yeah Doom. Yeah. But this feels very Sandlot, right? Like the GTA game, really, right? Yeah. Like it feels like a GTA game in a way, and it's very Sandlot, decorated by Baz Luhrmann, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's good. That's a. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it feels very Luhrmanny at times. Uh, I got to say, Sammy, I don't know if you noticed. I, I always know when Toronto's being used as unidentified American city or identified American city, but there's a scene when. Uh, when Giamatti's looking for him, right after he takes the right, Clive Owen takes the car, and you see they're parked on 
as my pal Sammy calls it, Youngie Street. Youngie, that's right. I <laughs> you see in the background, 117 Young Street, and yeah. I saw that. And, uh, I didn't I didn't see that, but... Uh, yeah, I got all Youngie Street. Got all Youngie. Um, and I do want to say, I want to give it credit for having a bit of a, an advantage, as much as it cribs from a lot of other stuff, a Jackie Chan kind of inventiveness in terms of using inanimate objects or daily objects and kind of flipping them around and some of the stuff where Owen's sliding on everything. He's like a, the Crisco kid. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think there was enough energy and, and I don't know, it, it, it's sincere enough for me that it, it works pretty well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I just, I don't know if it's just a disconnection with the jokes. I mean, there's a safety joke in there where places went, I don't know, a thousand, 21 days, thousand, 50 days or something without an injury during the gunfight. Of course, that goes down to zero because it gets hit yeah. so many times. There's the, uh, you know, fuck you sign thing in the beginning, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what it is that makes me disconnect with this movie. It might be the level of gunfire, uh, without consequences. I mean, it might be that, but I, I, I can't argue, I can't argue for that for me because there's other movies I've, I love that have excessive gunfire in it and, uh, you know, I enjoy them, but I, I, I had a problem too. I've always had a problem with, um, uh, you know, the end of Wu's Hard Boiled. I've never really been a huge hard boiled guy. Uh, I like it certainly, uh, but I, I'm not. I'm not big on it. I'm not. I don't know why. Just, and I don't think it's the baby thing. Like the baby in peril. Of course, obviously, I know there's no real baby in peril, but I. I just don't know if it just you know because I love Lone Wolf and Cub. I love uh, hell. I love Baby Yoda. I'm not gonna lie. Um, my son loves Baby Yoda. We love. We're Baby Yoda house here. Um, but it's it's. Uh, I don't know. There's some type of disconnection here that I can't figure out. I love all the faces. I think the henchmen are well cast. The faces are good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think it's kind of silly that they all dress alike, but you know that that's kind of par for the course for movies like this. It's not really that big a deal, so that that doesn't bother me as much. I like uh, I like Owen. I think he does a fine job as the lone gunman type of role. Uh, Monica Bellucci's fine. Uh, adding the fact that she's a lactating. Um, Prostitute, prostitute to the deal is interesting um yeah obviously it's deviant but it's like it's it's interesting and it's deviant so i mean it it adds a, a story element obviously that you know he goes looking for this character because he's looking to feed a child um so it's kind of it's kind of bizarre but it also at the same time it, it makes the film kind of unique i mean I, I certainly i think the thing i always take away from this the most is you know the lactating monica bellucci it's a very memorable thing to put into a movie. It just feels yeah. like Davis had all these all these films. And, and I, I'm a big fan of filmmakers who take all their influences and throw them in a movie. I'm a big fan of that. But, uh, but there has to be some organic, individual yeah. aspect to it, right? Yeah, my door just cracked open. I know somebody's outside my door, but I don't know who. <laughs> oh, hey, Harvey. Is that... Uh, what is that? It's Michael Davis. Yeah. She's, she likes to sneak up on me, and sometimes she'll like put a doll around the corner or something. I think she's trying to terrify me. That's amazing. Yeah. I hear the door crack open. I don't see anything, and then all of a sudden I see a stuffed animal head come around the corner. Hey, quick question because it's going to knot me. Was my volume turned down when you were talking, Sammy? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, good, because my wife came in the room, and 
I was listening in one ear and talking to her about <laughs> something yeah. family oriented. Yeah, family or something. You got to be careful. Guests are coming over. What meat do we have in the freezer? Can we take it out? Is there propane in the barbecue? Yeah, you, Should I have, you know, the usual domestic stuff. Right? Yeah, you always so got to be careful because like, you never know, right? Like, yeah, you know, I just took a crap and oh my God. Well, yeah. <laughs> you never I know what you want to be like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, something like, you know, oh, can you pick me up tampons? Oh, yeah, okay. And then it hit me while it's in the show and you're talking. And so, okay. <laughs> She didn't need tampons, by the way. I was just <laughs> okay. saying that. That would fit be apropos for this movie, though. Yeah, it's certainly. I'm surprised. Yeah, that. Yeah. Anyway, I won't even go there. But right, it would yeah. be apropos. I don't know. I just don't know where the disconnection comes from the movie. I gotta. I gotta put it on the filmmaker though, because everything else about the movie, the aesthetic, the actors, the cinematography, the action set pieces, they all work. But I think the quote I made to Todd was, "It's cinema inspired by cinema." But not very inspired for me. So it's the so this is to Italian uh, genre stars. This is the Jeff Blinn to <laughs> yeah. its influences Franco Nero. Yeah, yeah. it's the Jeff Blinn of uh, <laughs> the hard boiled egg eating Jeff Blinn. Yeah, to the, uh, yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I I hope Gary doesn't take it personal, but it just it's sometimes movies don't connect with the viewer. And for whatever reason, I've watched this twice now. I can't connect with this movie. Don't know what it is. Oddly, I do connect with some Neville Dean and Taylor films. I, I did like their Ghost Rider. I thought it was insane. Uh, it helps that they work with Nicolas Cage, who I think is the perfect actor for them. Uh, yeah. Because they're excessive, he's excessive, and I think that works. Uh, other Neville yeah. Dean and Taylor films, I don't like. I don't like Gamer. I don't like, uh, I couldn't even oh, get through Gamer. Gross. I couldn't even get through Crank. I can't get through either one of those. Uh, you know who's a big fan of the Crank series? Loaf, right? Our buddy Loaf. That's right. Our buddy Loaf. He loves a good Chev Chelios film. <laughs> good Chev Chelios. <laughs> Pour one out for Loaf. That, that, is a great, that is a great character name, though. We can't, Chev Chelios. We can't Chev deny. Chelios. Yeah. <laughs> this is Chev Chelios. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Fuck me sideways. This is the, <laughs> yeah, this is the uh, Chev Chelios. That's what we need. We need... We, G- Giamatti and uh, Jason Statham and Crank, crank in Four. Is there crank three? Four. Is there three Crank films or two? Uh, two. Okay, so Crank oh. Three. Yeah, yeah. Need to make it a trilogy. GTMC man. Of porn. <laughs> no, he's not working right now. He's not working right now. Okay. She's looking at this. Ooh, loaf isn't working. <laughs> he's done. <laughs> I'm sitting there thinking instead of pouring one out, we need to crank one out for a uh, loaf there. Yeah, crank, yeah, crank we three. Crank one out. Yeah. Uh, that how you will. Baby. Yeah. But it just, I don't know. I guess, you know, I guess it kind of comes down to the thing we say sometimes. You know, I guess this movie's just not for me. But I guess yeah. the reason why I'm talking so much in this review is psychologically, I can't figure out why it's not for me. <laughs> Because I think, yeah, all of us, I think, in the history of the show, have all looked at films enough that we can make a distinction and say, you know what, um, it is what it is, and for what it is, I'm fine with it. Yeah. But it feels yeah. like this one for you, it's, something about it rubs you the wrong way. It's, well, it's, it's like know. leather jackets. You know, leather jackets are cool <laughs> until you come in out of the rain, then you smell like a wet horse. So it's, yes. you know, that's what it feels like. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. Better wet horse than a wet fart. Yeah, yeah. I would say, yeah, the, the wet horse is better than a wet fart, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, no, that's fair. <laughs> no, but, you know, I just, I I, I don't know. I, I just couldn't, I couldn't get past some of that stuff. It's slick, but maybe 
too slippery for me. How you like that? How you like that? That's on the box. Sammy says, wow. Sammy says it's slick, but too slippery. <laughs> uh, let's get it like to make or break. Yeah. Well, there we go. It all comes back to that. Oh, Not dry yeah. like that cupcake talk we had. Mm-hmm. That's right. Speaking of one more thing, speaking of uh, performances and imitations, it really feels to me like McCaddy was doing his best Robert Duvall in this. <laughs> yeah. 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 God, was he doing Duval? And this movie's okay. uh, shot by Peter Powell, and I think Peter Powell doesn't he? Do, he's done Asian stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Peter Powell, he's a he. Uh, he, he works with Ronnie Yu, and oh, really? That would like make that. sense. So yeah, it because it, it feels very. He did God of Gamblers. He did uh, the killer. Really? Yeah, he did the killer. So he's you know. Oh, then that's that's obviously he went and got his guy, and it doesn't always translate well, and yeah. for some. But how about this? You know, one thing I'm surprised no one's mentioned yet is there's a there's an actor in this whose na- real name is Tony Munch. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Munch. Tony yeah. Munch is in this. Mike Rad. Yeah. How come, I've, good names how come I've never seen Johnny Toe's film Justice My Foot? <laughs> that's a, that's oh, a, I think I did. I think I saw that one. That's a film I shot by Peter Powell. So. Huh. Peter Powell shot a lot of stuff. I mean, he's a lot of a lot of stuff that. He shot Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Really? I mean, it's uh, you know. So this is a very so. Well, I think it's. I think I think it's it a good looking film. Oh yeah, this is well, a good looking film. Yeah, that, that's the main draw for me. Is it looks nice. Ride with white hair. Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah, it looks nice. I mean, Peter Powell is a oh. very talented guy, and it's fun to say his name, Peter Powell. It is better that way than the other way, Pal Peter. Yes, Pal Peter. All right, uh, Todd. Let's get into make or breaks. What you've been you know, not making? What you've been watching? <laughs> how does this? Uh, com- how does this compare to 2019's Joker? <laughs> well, <laughs> if I'm being honest, uh, make or break for me on this one is the opening shootout. Uh, it's the complete setup for this thing on pretty much every level. Uh, yeah, you'll know by then whether you're in or you're out. I think uh, MVT is the action. It's about it's abundant and it's uh, and it's occasionally inventive um, and like I said I mean that's the sum total of why this thing exists so um, score for me is I'm gonna go seven out of ten um, like I said I dig this one uh, I I yeah for all of its uh, its cringe its cringier moments uh, I still uh, I still get a hell hell of a lot of enjoyment out of it so all right. nice. Right. Nice. Okay. Make or break. I'm going to go with. Yeah, I guess that opening shootout. I think it really does set the table for what we're going to see in the film. Um, it's kinetic. It, it's got energy. I mean, this is, you know, 85 minutes. And God bless this film for not being like an hour and 45 minutes because then it would have been really fatiguing. Um, a lot of the humor doesn't stick with me, but this this throws everything at the wall and. I think uh, you know Davis wanted to do that. It's it's the law of averages, right? You swing at enough things, some are going to connect. Um, so that's my make or break. MVT. Uh, want to say my MVT? I want to give it to Davis. Let's give. I want to give it up to Davis for his one time. He might actually be on the show in all likelihood. Uh, Peter Powell's cinematography is great. Owen's game, Bellucci's game, Giamatti's game, but. Uh, Davis wrangled those people all in, and he got them to buy in and not just half-ass it, mm. right? And I, I mean, they're all pros, but, you know, uh, he puts them together, and it works well enough. My score for this one is a 
I'm going to say uh, 6.25. It's a fun one. Um, it's not perfect, but you can certainly do worse. And again, it's very inventive and creative, even if it does borrow from uh, other uh, source material. Yeah. Uh, and we should say, too, Denise Cronenberg worked on this film. Hmm. Ah, okay. Oh, Interesting. So there you go. Yeah. Um, I'll go with my make or break being, uh, usually with some, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I didn't like the movie. I mean, there's some parts of me that like some bits and pieces of it. I just have a hard time connecting with it. My score will kind of tell you that I do like the opening of the movie. Cause like I said, that always kind of gets me going. I enjoyed that, but I didn't love the, uh, <laughs> hear my daughter making noises right as I'm talking. She sneaks up on me and likes to scare me. Um, uh, and she does it often. She's like a little ninja, man. Um, I don't know. I I, I, I got to go with the opening. It's the only thing I can think of. I mean, but I, I, I do think that that lovemaking shootout scene is a bit of a break. I just, I really do think that. Uh, yeah. My MVT, I go Clive Owen on this one. I really enjoyed him in he's the movie. He's fun. Yeah, he's really good. Uh, he eats the carrots with the sinister urge to eat a carrot. I enjoy that. But, I, you know, I... I Giamatti's fine, uh, even though the jokes are sometimes lame ducks. He is still kind of fun. And uh, Bellucci's great as well. I mean, everybody's good in the movie. Like the character actors, they're all fun. Uh, it is good to see it. Uh, and like I said, the movie does look nice. Uh, my score for the film, I, d I can only give it a 5.5. That's as high as I can go. I can't get to 6. I just, For me, this one just doesn't connect for some reason. 5.5 is not a bad score. It's above average, but it's only slightly above average. It just... I couldn't recommend it to folks unless they are looking for this kind of thing. And I, I'm, okay. I'm hesitant now in some weird way to kind of watch the, not, not because of what you guys said, but just to kind of watch the, I certainly won't watch the John Wick films anytime soon because I feel like I might be, I might be gun fired out <laughs> right now. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I might be gun food out. Like I wouldn't even watch Equilibrium, but maybe with Gun Fu. Oh, I couldn't watch Gun Fu. Yeah, I couldn't do Gun Fu right now. But I, I will. Yeah, the, the, just to piggyback quickly on what you were saying, Sammy, the 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 fuck you shootout scene. That the, I groaned at that big time. Like yeah. that, if I had to pick like a little break for me, it didn't break it. But like the sex scene was for you. The the fuck you shootout thing was for me. Yeah, I rolled my eyes pretty hard at that. What's well, that? The dialogue moment where he says, "You know, fuck you, you fucking fucks." Oh, I mean, at some oh. at some level, it just feels like. You know, Juvenile. we got the accelerator down and we're just going to keep it down. Yeah, yeah. And I think if he'd let off of it every now and then, I think he'd have made a better film. But that's just me. I think that's what Wu does well and what other action filmmakers do well is you got to know when to push that gas down and when to let off. And mm -hmm. um, I think I needed more of that letting off. I think as a curio piece, as something that's got, you know, going full tilt the whole time, it's interesting. But I think that might be. Maybe we get to the end here. That might be the problem. Maybe that is the problem. Maybe I maybe I can't go full tilt the whole time. So, there we go. Do you think do you think you could? And and how does this fare for you based on where you where you were last time when you watched it? Like, is it worse for you? No, it's a little bit better. A little, a little bit, bit better, really. A little bit, just slightly though. I probably would have just said it was middling the first time. Mm -hmm. I think maybe a you know a very you know, five, maybe even lower than a five. So it's a little bit better, but that comes with an appreciation of the actors. Sure. And the way it's shot. And, you know, certainly this is a very well-made, in some ways, movie. I just don't think it's edited together very well. I don't think it's put together very well. I think it looks great. Um, but it just, I, uh, it's a mess for me. So, mm -hmm. there we go. That's the best way That's to put fair. it. That's fair. Right? 
That's fair. It's it's a it's a nice beautiful fried egg next to an egg where that uh, somebody broke the yolk when they delivered it to me, and it's like motherfucker. <laughs> no, no, I got you. I, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's interesting to look back at even genre stuff and see what works for us, what doesn't, what stuff seems um, fatiguing, what stuff seems oversaturated, or what stuff seems fresh. And like I said, I, it's very comparable. It, oddly, to me, it's very comparable to Boondock Saints for me. I much prefer this. I yeah. loathe. I know. I know loathe. you do. But I, but oh, I, I'm not man, a huge fan of Boondock Saints either. But I would bet. I bet if I'd watch it again, it might even go down. But I would it say would go my, down for me. my score for that would probably be in the same ballpark because I am not a Boondock Saints guy either. So, but I, I like this. Like you said, it, it, the things that inexplicably don't work for you. I'm willing to give those more of a pass. Like the performances are all like focused and. You know, but uh, Odd, Boondock Saints. Let's oddly in Boondock Saints, there's a dead girl tit scene too. Is there really? Yeah, uh, there's that scene in the strip club where they kill the one stripper and the one guy, the kind of funny uh, Russian bearded guy or whatever he is in the movie, is looking at it like he wants to grab it, and and she's dead, and like he knows he can. Yeah. Oh man. I wonder how much of Boondock Saints inspired Michael Davis. Hmm. Oh man. Curiouser and curiouser. <laughs> anyway, neither here nor there. We'll move on. Thank you, Gary, for the selection. Yes, thank you. Still led to some good conversation and made me delve into myself psych- psychologically, which is always good. I mean, all I got to do is mention Joker for Todd, but all you got to do is mention <laughs> shoot him up for me. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your triggers, eh? And then Will, it's the Hourglass Sanatorium, so we got all of our triggers going this week. Yeah. Uh, we know what we're doing next week? Yep. Yep. Did we confirm the... Yep. Sammy choice, yeah. Okay. Yep. So we are doing. Uh, so I know what my choice is. I can't remember what your choice was, Todd. Well, it's not my choice. It's uh, Brian choice. Davison's choice. Oh, for, that's choice right. For Todd, it's a man on his knees. Man on his knees. Uh, Ooh, baby. Damiano, Damiano, Damiani. Damiani. Nice. Returns. Return of the Mac. Return of the Mac. The Damiani Big Mac. Uh, so that'll be fun. And then um, I think I chose uh, just something at random that I wanted to yeah. revisit. And sometimes I do this. I'll be looking through my collection, and I'm like. Man, I haven't watched that since it came out. I want to like revisit that, and then I'll think, well, that'd be kind of fun to do it on the show just to kind of see, because it gives me a reason not only to actually watch it, <laughs> but to uh, you know to revisit it as well. So we're gonna do uh, thirty uh, thirty days of night, which came out uh, right around the beginning of the history of this show, I think. Uh, was it Michael Slade? Is that his name? Is that the two thousand seven Davis Davis Slade. Davis Slade, yep. who I thought was gonna go on to become a really I, I was wrong about David Slade. I thought he was going to be huge. Yeah, me too. I thought he after was, Hard Candy, yeah, Hard Candy, and I thought, you know, visually some of the stuff he did in Thirty Days a Night, I it thought, was strong. Yeah, I thought, you know, and he's done some stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I thought he would be a bigger name, especially in genre, than he has become. He's made some good stuff, though. Uh, unfortunately, I think he works in, well, not unfortunately because there's some good stuff, but he makes a lot of TV stuff now, so. Where a lot of people wow. end up, right? He did make the uh, the Eclipse version of Twilight, though. He did do that one. So that was really? the last. That was the last film he did. Yeah. You know something? This is going to be back to back week with 2007 genre films, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And we get with the return of uh, the Prodigal Son, man, Ben Foster. Nice, yeah, Ben Foster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The one way I think when we started the show, Will really despised Ben Foster. I think now, time, now I love him. Yeah, now as time's gone on, he's come to 
come to appreciate the Ben Foster. And uh, yeah. Thirty Days a Night, we should say it, it's there's a it's a very Ben Foster performance. <laughs> it is that that was one I didn't like at the time. Let's see if that age is better for me than um, yeah. Shoot 'Em Up did for Sammy. Well, I'm gonna say also, forthright, George, Josh Hartnett is not an actor I care for. So I, I used to like him more than some. I, I felt like he was okay, no. but very Jan Michael. But that'll Benson, be interesting. But not as interesting. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he is like a that's a great compared to less interesting Jan Michael Vincent, <laughs> which is. <laughs> They ought to this make is, a Jan Michael Vincent yeah. biography, and they ought, to, they ought to star him, you know? so What an interesting cast. We get the return of Mark Boone Jr. Yes. Yeah. Man. yeah. Who two just, vampire movies with Mark two Boone Two vampire Jr. movies. Yeah, yeah who, just showed, right. who just showed up in The Mandalorian, oddly. Did yep. he really? Yeah, yep, he did. Uh, I'm only on episode two, so <laughs> yeah. I got a ways to go. Yeah, so he's, he showed cool. up in that as well. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Danny Houston on the show again. Yeah, Danny Houston's always fun. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it'll be fun to talk about those two movies. Uh, Man on His Knees, I haven't seen in ages. Oh, Jeez. man. So. Gemma's finest hour, dare I say. Oh, that's that's a bold statement. That's a bold yeah. one. Yeah, that's I'm a good one. Though. All right. Uh, so that's what we'll be doing next week. Again, we want to thank Gary and Tom for the selections. Thanks, guys. Thanks Thank for the donations. And uh, thanks for the excuse to talk Joker again. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> my last Joker joke, I hope, of the evening. <laughs> of the well, year. Of the year. Oh, 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 fuck me sideways. Hey, uh, <laughs> all right. With that, I will say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman midnightcinema at gmail.com Thank you.